Welcome to the Bring Your Lunch Pail Sports Podcast. Let's go there! Presented by Luke's Pizzas. Remember, football is crazy, love is blind. Good luck, football, what a story. Featuring Lucas Clark and Nigel Romaine. I'm talking about sports, and I'm coming. Now introducing your host, Tanner Retz. Yes, sir. We are coming to you live from the Lunch Pail headquarters. This is the Bring Your Lunch Pail Sports Podcast, episode number 25. Just some guys talking sports, crushing beers, and ripping zins. Got a big show for you today. I got Nigel off to my right. Nigel, what up? What Lizard up? overlords, you know Lizard they're coming for overlords. And I got Luke out in front of me. What's up, Lukey? This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. Thank you, Stephen A., for the warm <laughs> welcome. <laughs> like I said, big show for us today. We have Super Bowl week. We have a lot to talk about with that. We're going to go into some listener calls today. We have some sports betting going on. We're going to also figure out who Mike McDonald is. Maybe talk about the Mariners offseason. Is it better than we maybe thought it was initially? Question then, mark. And, of course, we're going to start the show off with our horns down and bologna sandwich winners of the week. So, I guess me, your host, Tanner, will get it started. All right. Let me hear what you guys think about this. You guys want horns down or you want bologna sandwich first? We're going to start with the good or the bad. Uh, How about bologna sandwich? Because I got a bologna sandwich guy of the week. So, maybe we can start with that and then move to uh, horns down. Sounds good. All right, my bologna sandwich winner of the week. I don't know his name, so we don't know this. Sounds like a bologna sandwich guy. <laughs> That's our kind of guy. Yeah, he's just, you know, just your blue collar. He doesn't have guy. a name. He just has a title, and it's bologna sandwich He's just winner. another number for the union, you know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, uh, there is a man out of China that is 50 years old. I just heard this the other day. Have you heard this? I haven't heard it. You haven't heard this. Man from China that was a marathon runner. That would be chain smoking during the entire race. So what I've heard is that this guy, literally at the beginning of the race, he lights up a dart, he gets going, and immediately as that one's burning out, he takes another dart out of his pocket or wherever he's carrying his cigs, lights it up with the other one, and then tosses the other cigarette, puts a new one in, and he does that for three and a half hours. This guy's running a three and a half hour marathon at 50 years old while chain smoking the entire event. And I don't know who the racing committee or who dictates this or who controls it, but apparently he was kicked out of whatever program or racing group this is because the other runners were angry about his constant smoking, even though he was smoking the competition. Wow. Sounds like they're jealous, honestly. (laughs) Just seems like a lunch pail guy to me. I don't know. Do you have a total number of cigarettes smoked for this race? No, but I mean, how long does it take to smoke a dirty? I guess it, I would assume if his uh, if his breathing is up because he's running, you'd be. I mean, I guess it depends. Also, depends if he's holding, if he's holding it to the if side if he's, if he's and running for a while, I mean, what, can't be more than five minutes, though. I would think, right? I think each each. Ciggy, I'm not a smoker, so I don't know. <laughs> each thing is probably like five minutes of burn time. Something we'll like call that. it ten on a slow one. Yeah, I would assume it's. We'll say two packs, two and a half packs. Three so what packs? is that? Two hours and ten minutes on average. Five minutes a sig. What's the math there? Yeah, I'm not a mathematician. You took Wally's class. You should know this. 
let's see. He let's say he does it. That's uh, what six an hour, ten minutes yeah. a cigarette. Yeah, six an hour, three and a half hours. So we'll call it twenty-two cigarettes. Whatever probably, you're probably more like thirty. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. say he's probably going faster than ten minutes. He's doing fifty. 50 plus ciggies and he's doing a carton he's doing a carton yeah it's even impressive just to carry that cargo with you while you're running (laughs) yeah what how is he lighting these things when he's profusely sweating all over them he's lighting with the end of his other one yeah efficiency sweaty fingers vaseline on his hands from (laughs) (laughs) he's probably not sweating that much it sounds like he really does this (laughs) i mean i guess that's true that's a that's elite level talent honestly to be able to to rip darts for multiple hours while it's already elite level talent to, to run for 26 miles add in the cigarettes i, I mean this guy's got to be a super athlete we got to someone's got to put those lungs they gotta in get a museum or something they got to get him in an ad with a uh, joe camel yeah <laughs> in a race against each other <laughs> american spirits <laughs> yeah shoot an arrow through his heart and see how long he see if he can still run a marathon so sir whatever your name is you are a lunch pail guy of the week. You are the baloney sandwich winner of the week. Luke, I'll hand it off to you. Who do you got? Real teamster. Uh, my baloney sandwich guy of the week, it's a shout out to a listener of the show, Matt Soup Campbell. Shoop. Uh, I think the other day we, uh, when was that? It was, it was about a week ago at this point. Got a uh, UPS man coming up to the door, knocks on the door, throws a package on the ground. Go down, I'm working from home. Go down, open up the door. Package there, UPS guy is walking off. And I, you know, as I normally do when I'm home, say like, hey, thank you, whatever. And he's like, "Uh, make sure you bring your lunch pail. It says that on the package. And I was like, all right. Open it up. Three matching t-shirts for the Bring Your Lunch Pail Boys. Purple shirts with a gold uh, upside down Texas logo saying horns down. I'm wearing it right now. We don't have video proof of that, but I'm sure we can put something up on the Instagram. But, uh. Shout out Soup. Looks good. Thanks yeah. a lot, Soup. Yeah, yeah, it's a good look. And uh, yeah, Matt, we really appreciate that. Union boys love matching outfits, all right? <laughs> That's true. Teamsters. Next, <laughs> next time, if you could make sure that gold is in high viz, though, that'd be mm. ideal. Yeah, that um, would be good. Everything else, you hit it, you nailed it on, but you know, a couple of high viz strips. I can't wear this to my office job, okay? I need high viz when I'm sitting at my desk. So. <laughs> So hopefully uh, Texas comes back to town in some sort of sport so I can uh, wear this and piss off all the Texas fans. We'll but see him in the playoffs next year. Playoffs. Uh, I'll take a I'll take a, a uh, uh, bologna sandwich guy of the week, too. Uh, just coming up with this. Uh, slash Tanner helped me come up with it. But uh, I'm going to give mine to Ben Johnson for – Waiting until the commander's entire uh, facility was on a plane to come offer him a job and then promptly denying them midair and uh, telling him to go kick rocks. He's going to stay with Detroit via text too, right? Yeah. Via text. Yeah. (laughs) Is that that what happened? Yeah. That's see, cause that's not what I heard. I've heard, I mean, I've heard conflicting reports, but I think that uh, most people, I mean, I heard rap rap say that uh, that's, more or less confirmed. I don't think he wanted to officially drag him through the mud, but he said that he's heard that's basically how it went down. Well, what I heard, what I heard is, and I don't know that there's truth to it because it also it's one of those things that doesn't really get released because neither party is going to. Is that uh, I had heard that he said that he wanted fifteen million dollars a year. 
I think it was a combination of those. Which is which is Sean McVay type money, like top coach in the league. And I think the commanders are like, no. So did he tell him that he did he say, no, I'm not going to the commanders. I'm going to stay with the Lions or the or did the commanders be like, "Uh, we want you to be the coach of this team. But like if you want anywhere close to 15 million, you are out of your fucking mind. And so then it's like it's the you get dumped and then you tell all of your friends that it's like, no, I I I broke up with her that it's like, no, you were out of your league here trying to ask for more money than a guy who's never been a head coach in the league should ever ask for and they told you no for an offensive mastermind next uh next sean mcveigh type yeah that's crazy yeah i did hear that too that there was a i tend to believe that that story that that it's like you're asking for way too much and they humbly told you like no we want you to be the coach but probably for like 10 million or less i still heard that uh a lot of circles were upset with him because he did do all the denying while they were on the plane ride over there and that he's lost his chance at being a coach in the NFL because of that, which I've also heard most people say that's not going to be the case. But uh, I'll go ahead and give my horns down real quick, too, since it's also part of the story. I'll give my horns down to his agent for not talking him off the ledge and uh, and being like, <laughs> you're not worth 15 mil a year, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I can't be coming at them with that. So that'll be my that'll be my horns down moment for, uh, for the week here. This might be adding to the rumor mill, but the other thing I heard about Ben Johnson as well is that afterwards he then called out the Washington front office saying that they're all basketball guys and they were a little bit too confident with their football knowledge when they were having their interview and their meetings. And so I guess he added that little piece. And then later on, I heard that Washington was basically saying, well, he was a bad interview anyway. He didn't do good in the interview. So a lot of petty, like back and forth going on now. Yeah. Slinging mud at each other. Yeah. It just sounds like it didn't go well. Well, it sounds like his interview with the Seahawks also didn't go well. Yeah. That's why it kind of feels like, who are you going to believe? You got two organizations that say he was a bad I'm going to believe the cool guy that says he has a hot girlfriend in another town. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm believing that guy. Yeah. That guy's cool. So I'm going to go ahead with my other, or with my horns down pick of the week. And again, I don't know how true this is. This is just something I heard on the radio the other day, but it did sound like garbage if it is true. Apparently Mike Brable is having a hard time getting a job because different organizations are finding him too big and intimidating to be a head coach and that he won't be able to manage and work with others because of that presence that he has, which seems silly. Cause to me, you want a head coach. Like if you can get a head coach that has the experience that he has and has like the, the demeanor that he has, it seems like that's like a good fit for a lot of different organizations. I can't imagine that is the reason why he doesn't have a job right now as a head coach. Yeah, it seems like one of those – I heard this too, and I don't know that I fully understand it, unless there's some sort of like cafeteria room environment that I guess is in the front office that it's like, I'm some 175-pound dweeb that is the GM or like somebody else It's like, I'm worried that if I'm in a room trying to say my point that Mike Vrabel's just going to be like, brah, 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 and like take my lunch money, yeah, which my, is like, Mike, what? Yeah, Mike, Mike Vrabel's like, you don't, you don't get to, yeah, exactly. He's like, you don't get to eat lunch until you take mine from me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That it's like, what, is, what are you trying to say? He's a bully. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know that. Yeah. I heard that. And it's like, I, I can't think that 
uh, like G. I assume it's G because it was a GM that told. I think Diana Rossini yeah. is where that story from the Senior Bowl is that I can't imagine that GMs are so like uh, unconfident or like. Uh, you know, fragile minds that'd be like, yeah, Wolf Rabel, he's pretty good, but uh, I'm worried that, you know, he's going to turn me upside down and give me a swirly. I, I mean, the NFL <laughs> like, is full of like alpha people and like big egos. Right. Like, I just can't imagine that's a real factor. I guess the only thing you could be worried about is if you do have someone that is that intimidating, like if he is that character that you get a lot of yes men around him. And so he has more power than he probably should. But yeah, but most I, guys in the NFL are also former NFL players. Like, yeah. it's not like I mean Dan Dan Campbell for the Lions. Yeah, that's the example. He's that, huge too. Yeah, like uh, all these guys for the most part. And I mean, it, it's not to say that one is a better coach than the other, but it's like I would think like outwardly that you would look at somebody like uh, Mike McDaniel for the Dolphins, who doesn't look like a football player, and be like, why would that guy tell me? what I should be doing on the football field. This guy's never played legitimately. He played D3 wide receiver, okay. He never played legitimately. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, you know, he's just a scrawny little guy that, like, yeah, you know, so it's like, isn't that what you want in your coach is somebody who, like, embodies your team? It, it sounds more like some pencil pushers, I, I don't know. They're fucking nerds. <laughs> like I said, it really just feels like a schoolyard bully type of like argument that it's like, he's all big and tough and he's going to beat me up and shove me in my locker. And then you won't be able to listen to me. Is it the players that are intimidated? Maybe. I doubt that. Soft Gen Z players now coming into the league just can't handle a big alpha dude telling them what to do, barking at them. They need a little friendly guy like. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I, he's <laughs> yeah. big, but he's not bigger than anybody that's playing on a current NFL roster. That, yeah. So, like, he's not, he's a former linebacker, but I'm he's just not trying better. To see yeah. any point of view on this. I just, it, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. It sounds like a joke. Yeah. I, I think he's going to have a job by this time next year, regardless. So, I'm, I'm not buying that, that that's a real thing, at least. Maybe, maybe one GM out there is, is afraid of him, but I'm not buying that. The majority of the NFL is afraid of him. So I'm going to throw in one more alternate in. And I think this is a bologna sandwich winner of the week. Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan coming to the opening night of the Super Bowl. So if you guys are following us on social media, you saw that I had my press pass and I was out there representing the uh, BYLP and uh, trying to get out there and you know hit those uh, hard-hitting questions at the coaches and players. But... I didn't notice this while I was there, but Kyle Shanahan apparently was like super tanked while he was up at his panel and doing his interview. And so to kind of give a little backstory to it, when I was there, they, you buy your ticket, you come in and then they advise, like they tell you, bring your own headphones if you have them, or we'll sell them to you for another 20 bucks. And when you have your headphones, you can go on to the NFL app and then you go into the app and then you can choose any of the players that are talking and then you can listen to their individual interviews. So you're sitting up in the stands and then you can see all of the players and coaches down at the field. And then you just like pick and choose who you want to listen to. So I was doing that and I listened to Shanahan for a while and he sounded completely fine. But then I re listened to part of his interview when he was with Mike Robb. Um, at some point, I I guess I didn't hear this, this part of the interview, but Dude, the guy, he was just slurring every word, like, all over the place. He was going on a tangent about, like, yeah, you know, like, Brock Purdy, like, 
management didn't want him to be the guy, but I I knew after two two uh, snaps that he was our guy going forward. And uh, it's always hard to get like a third string quarterback out of there and convince the front office this is a good move. But I knew he was our guy. But just like all over the place, he was like on a, like a five minute tangent and just all over the place slurring his words. And I don't know, I thought it was pretty funny. Kind of a cool way to start off the Super Bowl week. Yeah, it might be cool from your perspective. If I was a 49ers fan, I think I would be worried. <laughs> He's already preemptively started his celebratory drinking. Yeah, I think he did or, that in yeah. the Super Bowl a few years back when they're up 28 to 3 against yeah, the exactly. Patriots. Listen, man, it's Vegas. You're out, you're out there in Vegas for a whole week. You got to get one night in where you go out and hit it up for a little bit. Yeah, you do it after the game. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so horns down or bologna sandwich to him then? Uh, well, I don't want to, uh, uh, tip my hand, but as somebody who has money on the chiefs winning, I'd say that's a, that's a bologna sandwich (laughs) move of the week. If I was uh, betting on the 49ers, I'd say horns down. So that's where I land with it. Yeah. Bologna sandwich, you know, he deserves it. All right. It's about as far as you're ever going to (laughs) get. Speaking as far as you're ever going to get, I think that's the closest I'll ever get to the Super Bowl, being able to see one. And let's talk about that real quick. While, while I got you guys here. Um, <laughs> yeah, please do. Actually, I, yeah. I haven't heard anything other than what I saw on Instagram, so I'd love to hear about the festivities. Yeah, so as you guys know, I was out at work in Vegas for four days, and I was on what we call reserve. So I was just standing by waiting to get a call to go out and do some flying, and didn't happen. So it's kind of sitting there watching the paint dry in what we call a crash pad, which is where you sleep and hang out uh, while you're waiting to get called out. And I was like, you know, I wonder what's going on right now, like for the Super Bowl. Like, I know there's going to be festivities all week. Looked it up. They had opening night on Monday. So I was like, sweet, I'll go down to that. So started off, I uh, I was going to get an Uber, but it was like super spendy where I was at. I was like five miles out, and it's like super expensive to get out to the stadium during that time. So I ended up walking like three miles just to like kind of like, you know, kind of cut it in half. Ended up getting my Uber, got over there. Uber driver was insane. I thought this guy was going to get in a wreck the entire time. He was like trying to like make U-turns like over like actual like paved medians. So he's like had this little car, like like a little like Chevy Volt and like trying to like hop over like the curbs and everything. I was like, hey, man, it's good. Like you take your time. Like I know there's traffic. He's like, no, no, trust me. I'll get you there. I'll get you there. All right, cool. We got there. (laughs) (laughs) So I walk in. Legion Stadium is really cool. Like it does live up to the hype. I made sure to like do a lap around just to kind of check out the whole thing. And then right when I get down into, like, the stands, and basically at that point, like, with the fans, if you pay $30 as just general admission, you can sit in the stands, and then I'm sure, like, hire up people with more money that can pay for, like, the on-field passes, media, friends, family. They're all down in the field. But um, so I'm up in the stands. Chiefs come out, and big 49ers crowd out there, which obviously because they're so close to San Fran from Vegas. Yeah. And – um Immediately, the Chiefs get booed the entire time, which I thought was funny, especially when they called out Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. The crowd hated them. But anyway, they go through their whole thing. They kind of like wave around, say hello, and then they go down to their podiums. They talk. You listen. And then they had the ceremony with Scott Hansen, which is kind of cool nice. seeing our guy Scott Hansen Sweet. out there. They brought out the Was he wearing ball. pants? He was wearing pants. Okay. It was pretty good. Crazy. But, uh, yeah, they, they had uh, both teams come out. They had, like, representatives from each team. So, I think they had Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes standing next to each other, then George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And then, like, they had, like, different position players all over the place, and they would just jump back and forth and, like, talk to each, indiv- 
individual like you know position groups and um then it went on and on with that for a little bit they had a little ceremony and then they came back out and brought the 49ers out and they just basically did the same thing the chiefs did in the beginning and overall like glad i went but like it's such a money grab by the nfl because there's really nothing that special to go see like to go see it like in stadium there's like there's no performances going on there's really nothing like that exciting they had the stage set where it's only like one side of the end like one end zone you can actually see everything going on and then everywhere else like you're just like kind of looking from behind or from the side so there's really not any really good views of like the players or anything like that but overall try to get in with the uh the press box area try to get in there they wouldn't let me in unbelievable i don't know if you guys saw on social media i had i had a press uh badge and i apparently it wasn't valid it didn't work I think your only mistake is that you needed to get it laminated. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. You get it laminated on, on a lanyard, you can walk in it anywhere. Um, this would be no surprise either. Just one last note about the whole thing, just for the NFL as being the giant money grab they are. And plus, I'll, I'll add this too. I'll go on another sidetrack. It was so funny like how much the NFL was really trying to promote how great of an organization they are and how good they are for the country. Like They were getting real patriotic throughout the whole thing. And really trying to like dive in deep about how like this is like what brings the country together and like what we do for the communities. And then they brought out like a couple of teachers like, look, look how nice we are. We just gave these like, you know, low life teachers uh, tickets to the Super Bowl. Look how nice we are. So they had that whole thing and they were trying to get a big applause for it. And like six people were like, yay. <laughs> um, but so I went to try to go grab merch for you guys and for myself. And I was like, All right, I'll get everyone a T-shirt get myself something dude first thing i walked in i saw like this like crew neck like a little like nike crew neck i was like yeah that looks kind of cool i'll probably get that it didn't have either team on it just had the super bowl logo 250 dollars for nice. a normal crew neck that would probably be like 40 dollars at dick sporting goods dang then i looked at t-shirts 80 dollars a pop for a t-shirt sorry boys <laughs> just <laughs> the, the show's it's okay just, the show's yeah. just not bringing that much coin yet uh one day the, the last little critique I'll have for the whole thing, too, is that they give for those podium, like for the podium speaking, for the players to talk and stuff, each team has an hour to talk and they don't alternate the players around. It's just the same player. So the questions are just like getting unhinged at some point. Like it, it's just not even football that's, related. That's anymore. kind of the that's kind of the idea behind. Sorry. Uh, that's kind of the idea behind Super Bowl Media Week or like media part of it, though, is that like you're kind of saying how it gets repetitive or whatever, and they're all X, Y, and Z. This is the only time of the year that it's like a full access, full access that then it's like people from media outlets that aren't local or specifically for football get their chance to create content for it. So it's like you do get these kind of off the wall questions which can be fun it can also be stupid like i mean i even heard people joking about the fact that it's like you get the little kids up there asking questions whatever and it's like hardened reporters like shefty and like ian Rappaport are just like <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck like, like yeah. I, I get i get the idea it's like what's your favorite dinner jimmy or <laughs> yeah well, yeah yeah fred warner what do you like to eat and, and i get yeah. that and i get that aspect of it but the an hour it's just like even these like outlandish like off the wall questions 
they start to keep happening on repeat. Like people run out of questions at some point and they just keep going. It seems like you can reduce it to a half an hour and maybe put more festivities into the whole thing. But yeah, overall it was a cool experience. I got to hear Brock Purdy talk. I listened to his thing for about 15 minutes and he talked about our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ for the entire time. You know what I'm bummed that you didn't see with uh, Brock Purdy? Cause I think it was like today that it was asked that somebody had put up on Twitter, like yesterday that Brock Purdy looks like Lee Harvey Oswald as like his doppelganger. <laughs> and so I think somebody asked him that like today. I didn't see his answer. Still, still, still waiting for that. Is it what he thinks about people thinking that he looks like Lee Harvey Oswald? I think this is a pretty. See, that's a, that's an example of a good off the wall question. <laughs> yeah. Really rattle his cage. Right I before. resonate with that because as a quarterback, I'm a shooter. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't miss. Yeah, I don't miss. Uh, the one funny one too was just like uh, with uh, Coach Reed. I think they always ask him this, but it makes me laugh every time they ask him about his favorite hamburger uh, spots. And he like really dived deep into that and like gave good details. And like he has like a top five list just for like Vegas. And then they ask him, like, all right, what about this particular? Like they asked about Flagstaff, Arizona, and he had like at least five for that too. <laughs> and then he gave me a good lesson on uh, Ponderosa Pines too. So, oh, wow. So that was neat. All right, enough of that. Yeah. It, it is time. We appreciate all the listener callers and everyone that submitted questions on Instagram. So it is time now for the listener questions. That phone lines are now open. And we're going to keep it just uh, Super Bowl related right now. We have some Mariners questions as well. well. We'll kind of save those when we get to the Mariners segment that we have later on for the show. But I'm going to hit you guys with this first one from our loyal friend, Maddie. Mitt Roderick calling in from the, from the Beverly Hills of South Seattle. I have a couple of questions for the panel today. The first is about the Super Bowl. Kadarius Tony has been cleared from the injury report from the Chiefs. Do his stone hands help the, help the Chiefs or the 49ers more? My second question is about the Mariners. It's rarely been a good idea to throw money on the Mariners to do something positive over the past 20 years, but you can't deny that their pitching staff is elite. The odds for the Cy Young Award just came out, and three Mariners are listed in the top ten. I've got a Ulysses S. Grant burning a hole in my pocket. Who should I place my money on? <laughs> All right, Matt, we'll go ahead and save the uh, – we'll, we'll we'll play it back for the Mariners Put later. that in our back pocket. <laughs> yeah, we'll put Mariners. that in the back pocket. It's a good question, though. But we'll start with your Super Bowl one. So, boys, take the wheel here. Uh, about Kadarius Toney. Uh, so, he is cleared to play, right? That's what yeah, Manny that's said. He's cleared to play. Is he going to be active, though? He's going to be actively dropping passes for KC. Yeah, I mean, my my first take on that is that uh, it's really fun to laugh at Kadarius Tony because he's got stones for hands. But I think we probably shouldn't forget that last year is that he literally took the punt return down to inside the five-yard line at the end of the game to basically set them up to, like, I mean, there's still a lot that happened after that, but that was, like, one of the biggest plays in the game. And yeah. – uh, I think he also caught a touchdown in that game. Am I wrong about that? Maybe that was. Maybe I'm confusing him with Sky Moore, but yeah. um, I thought Kadarius had a touchdown in that game too. But point is, is that uh, it's fun to laugh at Kadarius Tony because he kind of has stones for hands, but he's also in the NFL for a reason because he is one of the most explosive players when he actually secures the ball. So if he's healthy and active, I would think that they're going to find ways to get him involved. So I think he would help the Chiefs more than he would the 49ers. <laughs> yeah. Especially I, on special teams if they put him back there. It's kind of your ace in the hole. 
I'd say it's uh, 50-50 whether or not he's a healthy scratch or uh, or has a touchdown in 50 yards. Agreed. Plus. Yeah, agreed, <laughs> you know, agreed. Like, I don't think there's any in between. Like, it's either... It's either he's a healthy scratch and they don't they don't want anything to do with him, or uh, he's gonna have you know a huge play for a touchdown in the game. All uh, just for the sake of the fun, I'm gonna say that he's a healthy scratch since you said he's gonna gonna be a helper. I'll, I'll say he's a healthy scratch, and uh, they they decide to leave him off the leave him off the roster for the day. This is gonna be my guess. Have you guys ever seen the replacements with Keanu Reeves? I actually haven't. I have, that, I have definitely. Yeah, that that, Luke, feels, that yeah, is I a know, big that's, miss. Yeah, I know we're watching right after the show. Yeah, that's one of those. <laughs> I don't like to admit it, but yeah, I, I want to see it. Big okay. Keanu Reeves fan, so. Well, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a spoiler. There was a remember the receiver Nigel that oh, yeah. they had that was super explosive, but he couldn't catch it all bricks for hands. Yep. What did they use on his hands that they finally got him to stick him? They used stick him or pine tar or something like that, yeah. Yeah, but I just remember he's like, man, it feels like I just ejaculated a horse because he's just like, it's just like (laughs) dripping off of his hands. That's what they need for him. I don't care what the league regulations say. The the script's already in. Chiefs are going to win this thing, so you might as well give Tony a few tutties while they're at it. It's going to be a good Cinderella story. (laughs) He did post, I think, somewhere that he is... Like one of the best receivers in the league, dude. Didn't he say that on his Instagram or Twitter or something like that? I wouldn't doubt that he did. He was also upset last week, or not last week, but I guess the weekend before, because I think he was scratched from the game, and I think they used the excuse that I think his his baby mama was having a kid, maybe like the day before the game. So it was mm-hmm. like personal slash like knee or whatever injury yeah. and he's like no nah, i'm healthy to play i'm ready to play but they i think they use that to make him a, a scratch <laughs> so i'd also say if i'm that patty I, mahomes i'm having having someone come i'm gonna have someone tanya harding him and uh, and uh and go down and get him get him with a kneecapper before the before the game or something honestly i won't be surprised though is that if he is active it's like I just give him a end around or some sort of jet sweep early in the game. Be like, I just want you to get your confidence up. You go get an end around for twenty five yards first play of the game. Now I'll throw you the ball. Yeah. If not, if you don't, if you don't get that, then it's like, see ya. Yeah. We'll play with the guys that got us here for the last couple games. But good question, Mitt. All right, we got our next caller. You might recognize her voice. She does our intro for every show. That is Miss Kalia Hobbs. She's coming in. First time caller with her first question. Here we go. Hi, BYLP boys. This is your favorite lunch pill gal, Kalia. I have a few questions regarding the halftime show. I'm wondering if, A, you think that Taylor will participate musically in the Super Bowl, and I guess that could be during the halftime show, or do we think that she's going to be in any... Oh. Oh. We lost you there, Kaylee. We'll get you back. Marshalls, like, you know, any predictions regarding that? And then I would love to hear your other predictions regarding Usher's halftime show. Have fun. Bye. Well, I'll let Nigel talk about the Usher part of the question because uh, I don't know as much about Usher as um, Nigel probably does, so he can probably speak to that. Um, I don't expect Taylor Swift to be part of anything Super Bowl day. 
because, I mean, we already talked about this on the last podcast. I guess Kaylee hasn't listened that she's flying in from Tokyo. So I can't imagine that she's flying out there to then... She's not going to be there for any yeah, I, rehearsal type things. and I don't think she'll be musically part of the halftime show or any anything. No, her job will be to be in the... In the would, suite and get cut to. Yeah, I think the She'll NFL be dancing around. I think the NFL yeah. would uh, would look really bad if they did that too. <laughs> Everyone would lose their minds just because it's like, oh, you the the, the people that are talking about the NFL script being, writers, yeah, <laughs> script writers, like you just wanted Taylor Swift to be part of the show, and yeah, so I I don't think that's I don't think that that's gonna happen. I I. Uh, Regarding Usher, have we have we hit on all the Taylor Swift stuff? I mean, I I, I, guess I do think I do think I'll put I'll put some money down that maybe she ends up in a State Farm ad or something. You know, like I could see with Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I think I think the power couple could end up in a in a commercial together. Maybe they're both taking their booster shots think, with Pfizer. I don't know. You think they're you think they're taking bets on that? Oh, they're definitely taking bets on that. Oh wow! Time to hit the casino. Spicy. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to hit the casino. Yeah. So I'll I'll say uh, I'll I'll say I could see her in an ad or two, but uh, but I don't know about I don't know about anything anything else there regarding Taylor Swift. I don't think she's going to be part of the the festivities of the game. Tell us about Usher then. Usher, man. Um, let's see. I've got I've got yeah as my uh, first song. Okay, okay. Um, I've got appearance by Luda. Ooh. I think we got to get... You think so? I think we got to get Luda in there. I heard that Luda is coming to the Tulalip Casino. Uh, no, to the EQC. EQC. In, in the, uh, in lovely South End, Tacoma. A- April 4th? That is correct. So you think he's going to follow up his Super Bowl performance with a with a performance at the at EQC? He's got I think EQC his, he's is got the, bigger, his, the biggest show. He's got to hype his, uh, <laughs> his tour here. Oh, does he have a tour coming up? I assume so. If he's going to be at the EQC, he's got some kind of tour. Like I said, I trust you more than anything I know about Ursher. I don't know who was featured on his songs back in the day. I mean, I think... Like Mary J. Blige or something? (laughs) Could we get her out there? What about Nelly? (laughs) Nelly? Get Nelly and the St. Lunatics out there? I mean, this is... uh... This is just a callback to... It's it's much like the... um... What's it? Eminem was the was the halftime show a couple years ago. Then you had 50 Cent and you had Snoop and you had, you had all those guys. I don't think was, it was, was Eminem. Snoop, was I think Snoop it was the... just, I think it was just LA rap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was there a headliner? But then they also threw in Eminem and 50 Cent. Or was, was it Dre? Dre. Yeah, yeah. I think the headliner Dr. was Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg originally. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then just a bunch of other people. Yeah. That no. one was awesome. That was probably that my was, favorite that was one. Cool. Yeah. Uh, no, the best one still, and maybe it's just because the Seahawks were crushing, was Bruno Mars. Hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. 24 karat gold on that one for sure. Um, I, or the weekend. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm going to go just for some light predictions there. I'm going to go, yeah, first song. And I'll go, uh, how about DJ Got Us Falling In Love Again to uh, to finish it off. And, uh, and I, I want to say I'm going to go Appearance by Luda. Uh, that'll be my three. You know better than us, so yeah, I'll take it. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm not really up to date with my Ursher. You don't got your Ursher. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't know any could, Ursher could songs. We get I like guess a, other than yeah. Can we get like a Lil John sighting or something? Like okay. So maybe uh, 
I, I feel like he's an ATL guy, so you got to get those Dirty South boys out there. So maybe uh, maybe some Bone Crushers. I don't know. You know, just some just get some some South End rap. What about uh, what's uh, what's that other guy's name? Uh, shoot, <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. I can't <laughs> go not, on. Uh, it's not, uh, what's the <laughs> Let's say it's not. I want to say Pusha T, but it's not him. It's uh, what's the other guy with a T in his rapper name? T Pain, not T Pain. <laughs> not T Pain. If T Pain makes an appearance, I would love that as well. Who's the other guy from uh, Atlanta from back in our high school days? What about Sierra? Mm, I think oh. she's a. I think she's a originally a Hotlanta area rapper. Slash. Yeah, so they still do people still like Sierra? Oh, so Future. No, yeah, there we go. Maybe future and <laughs> yeah. Sierra. Oh, spicy. Yeah. I wouldn't count on that one. All right, next question. We got a friend of mine, Joseph Dennis, out of Bend, Oregon, Ooh. with a long-winded question. So, guys, there's about three of them in here, so just be ready for it. I screened it, so be ready for you for this. What's up, Lunch Palers? This is JD calling in. I got a quick question. Actually, a two-parter for you. Uh, first one is... I've been really enjoying Creed lately. You know, what's doing that? That's my. What's bad. your thoughts on uh, the resurgence of Creed? And uh, you know, will he ever do another Super Bowl again, or does he have to start dating Travis Kelsey? Uh, two, second part question is uh, this one's for Tanner. Um, I don't do much hunting, so uh, I was hoping he could explain to the listeners on uh, when he shoots a deer. What's the uh, What's the entry point? What's the starting point for uh, skinning that thing? So, if you if you could explain that, that'd be uh, that'd be amazing. Thank you guys, and uh, look forward to listening. All right, I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way. JD, if you're going to skin a deer, let me tell you, you want to start off by you got to gut it. You got to work with the gut first. So you get you get down in the gut, you pull all that stuff out, you get it all out there, you get it all cleaned out. Take it back to a shop, get a <laughs> campfire going, get it hung up on the skinning pole. If you don't know what that is, Google it. Just like a little like kind of like tea looking thing. Or I guess it's more like a V shape, hanging up on your ceiling, and then you uh, you start at the lower legs, and you just start kind of like cutting there. You make a slit, kind of peeling that apart, and then you're able to like kind of open that up, and then I don't know what that would actually be called. A piece of the part of the leg where it's like there's kind of like there's a hole, there's like a point that you can actually hook your legs up onto the skinning post, and then you just start working your way down to the head, dude. That's all you got to do. That's it. Easy peasy. Easy. Uh, so I guess going back to the first part of the question, uh, resurgence of Creed. Um, honestly, I feel like, uh, I'm not going to say the bring your lunch pail boys, but broadly speaking, uh, some of our faithful listeners collectively, I like to think that we help them get back cause we've been listening to Creed for a while. Yeah. Never really stopped. Yeah, and so I don't know. I don't know if the Rangers, because they were a big, a big part of it, that brought them to prominence or reintroduced them to national media. I don't know if they're fans of the show or whatever. Or has anyone reached out to uh, uh, to Seeger to ask him? Yeah, I don't know, but uh, it it's an interesting <laughs> question because I honestly did think that, that obviously we have nothing to do with it, but it was funny because we were, it kind of feels like we were, the we ones. were listening to Creed a bunch. And then I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It, I don't want to go uh, like tinfoil hat, but there's also part of me that it's like, uh, we're, we're one pocket of people that like start like 
or we're listening to a lot of Creed and then you go on Instagram and there's some people like creating videos of Creed songs or whatever and then you send them to their buddies or to your buddies right and then anybody that's followers of them then it's like you know they they like mine all of this data that starts to then like populate these same reels onto people that follow you because like that's how they do these things i'm sure a friend of the show pete could talk about this more uh, but i i don't know I, I think there's something to it that it starts in small pockets and then it just like that's kind of how social media works these days that so just, is that a yes to the <laughs> <laughs> that we start, that we started it. Okay. Yeah. No, I just think that there's no, no. no the original question the original was question. <laughs> was will he ever have an appearance? In well, the I was Super gonna Bowl? get, I was gonna okay, get to okay, that. Yeah, yeah. The Sorry. first part of the question We're was like, the gun. was like, like, uh, like them I coming thought it was back to prominence. Them coming yeah. back to prominence, and so that was kind of my long-winded answer <laughs> on how, like, I feel like they're and we brought them back. I think pockets like ourselves did because they're that's how social media works. Is that then it like sends it out to early 30 year old men brought back creed <laughs> exactly yeah, the there's, al- a, there's the, a headline the algorithm you. brings yeah. it back because they see enough uh not lonely people fun ass dudes <laughs> enjoying that the really appreciate the attitude era of wwe <laughs> exactly. where creed was hot. exactly and like so all sending each other stone cold steve austin videos of him stunning someone and then listening to creed and uh uh, Nige, feel free to jump in whenever you want. But to the second part of the question, is it uh, was it for the Super Bowl? Yeah, for the Super Bowl. I don't think the Super Bowl is a little were, lofty. Were they actually? Was that for no? That the was Super a Thanksgiving Bowl? game. Yeah, I was gonna say that was a Thanksgiving. I game. Ga- I would almost be willing to guarantee that within, especially because they're going on tour, right? I think you guys are going. Is that I would not be shocked at all if they do another Cowboys Thanksgiving game because. Cowboys can't win a playoff game. The least they could do is win a Thanksgiving by putting Creed, <laughs> giving the people just do it, just do the exact same show again. I would be shocked if that happened. Um, I'm, I'm saying it's happening. Yeah, I would be shocked if they got a Thanksgiving game. I would definitely be shocked if they got a Super Bowl. Um, however, we are going to Creed this summer. We're yes, going we are to uh, Toronto to watch them. So. Um, Maybe I'll be. Maybe I'll have my mind changed. Maybe I'll see how fantastic. I mean, I know they're fantastic performers. You're but, about to get your mind blown. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, but I'm. I'm hoping to see you know Super Bowl worthy performances from uh, Scott Stapp. So we'll see. But I'm gonna say no on the on the Super Bowl performance for definitely now. no on the Super Bowl. Like I don't think it. Well, hold on. Any chance Creed and Usher? Whoa. Whoa. Um, I mean, if, you, if you're no. right on that, I mean, <laughs> that honestly feels, whether it's Usher or not, but if Super Bowl, I guess uh, JD didn't specify that it wouldn't be like Super Bowl headliner, doesn't mean that they can't come out, like Scott Stapp can come out do and do Do you think something. that Creed would be a secondary uh, a feature on a Super Bowl? I don't think they have they a choice. Are, they are. <laughs> <laughs> They are the main event, okay? I'll take I'll take cash right to the casino right now, though. That they'll be back at a Dallas Cowboys game or like a Jacksonville Jack. They're they are from Florida, so Jacksonville or Tampa Bay. Like if they have a, I don't know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or something like that. Hell, 
I want to see Creed in London for a Jacksonville game. <laughs> really, really confuse the fucking. I'll give them the at, fucking Redcoats. At best, I'll give them a uh, Star Spangled Banner performance. They'll do the national anthem, but that's where. I'm yeah, going. that's what I was gonna say. Do you think for the yeah. Rangers for their opening night? Oh, th- that's a good call. Yeah, see, I would. I could see them doing a doing that, but for I the banner for yeah. the banner unveil. Yeah, I think I I could see something like that. I don't I don't know about halftime performance at an NFL game though, especially a large NFL event like a Thanksgiving, Christmas, one of those. I hope you're wrong. I really I do. hope I'm wrong too, honestly, cuz you know I want to see it, obviously. I'm part of that pocket of uh of algorithm that Luke was just explaining so eloquently and so I want to see that. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we're the we're too narrow of a pocket for a Super Bowl game. Taylor Swift opener with Creed as a feature. I mean, come on. Come on. All right. The phone lines are full. We had a couple more callers, but I am asking you guys this. We do have a random question coming up. Do you guys want to save that one? Do you want to do it right now? You want to just go for it right now? Has nothing let's, to do with any of the topics for today. Let's let's save that one. Okay. All right. We're going to save that one. That's uh, Will out in Hammond, Lu- uh, Louisiana. Uh, we're going to save your questions, so stay tuned for that. But I have one from the loyal texters. We got Vinny out of Monroe. Is it Monroe or Snohomish he lives? Snohomish. Snohomish. Let's call it Snohomish. Snohomish, Washington. He's wondering, what will be the major theme of Super Bowl ads this year? Woke, funny, dramatic, or maybe something else? Hmm. I don't pay that much attention to the ads, honestly. I feel like normally there's so much going on. And I'm an alcoholic, so normally, <laughs> during, normally during commercial, I'm getting another beer or, or uh, using the restroom. Um, I mean, I, generally, I'd say is that I feel like funny is the vibe. Yeah, it I, doesn't feel like a dramatic year. Like I feel like a few years ago, yeah, it was, was a little bit more dramatic. Like post COVID, things were like a little more dramatic. It feels like feels like a year for funny. And I'll, it's been a, and I'll probably like be disappointed a, be, because I I feel like it's I been a few that. years since they've done a straight funny. But uh, I would... It's also an election year, so I feel like now's the time for a lot of corporations to try to, like, I don't know, put <laughs> yeah. out... It's more like mission statement stuff. How about, I'll say, patriotic slash sentimental. I'll add... Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. I was thinking <laughs> this might be a patriotic more, year yeah. with yeah. funny. Yeah. I, I think, like, Budweiser and Bud Light will try to win some people back. I, I hope. Bud Light <laughs> yeah. already won everyone back. Do you not see that they now have Shane Gillis as their uh, one of their spokespeople? <laughs> oh, great. Perfect. <laughs> I can drink Bud Light again. <laughs> yeah. I never, that, that's what did it. Yeah, I, I, never I never stopped. I never stopped. <laughs> yeah, I never stopped. They need well, to do something else because Bud Light was super cheap back then. It was great. Uh, yeah, yeah honestly. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go patriotic and sentimental. It feels like the last couple of years they've done a lot of sentimental, and I I would guess they're gonna stick with that. Yeah, election year it it does feel like a year for kind of trying to I don't know play like lizard overlords need to <laughs> put their messages out there. Yeah. You know that as well as anybody, Nigel. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't got it. <laughs> I don't I don't got it ready. Uh, Luke has a sweet soundbite for that, but we missed the mark. All right, that's it for Super Bowl questions right now. All you listeners and callers, we have more questions coming along uh, later in the show. Right now, we're going to take a quick commercial break brought to you by Luke's Pizzas, and we'll be right back. 
Hey, it's Luke from Luke's Pizza here. Are you a dirty, filthy little pizza slut? Me too. Luke's Pizza is now accepting orders. If you'd like to place an order, just text the code word pizza slut to 425-350-2379. Feel free to let me know what toppings you'd like on that pizza. I probably won't put them on there, but it's worth a shot. Because at Luke's Pizza, you know the saying, when you're here, your uh, pizza gets it your way. That's Luke's Pizza Promise. All right. And we're back. Thank you, Luke, for your gracious ad there. Nothing goes gr- better with uh, Luke's Pizza than a nice cold Budweiser to go along with that pizza. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So we're going to go in. Well, yeah. <laughs> Budweiser, reach out. We need a sponsor. Yeah. We're willing I'll to stop. do a Super Bowl ad. I'll stop drinking Rainier if Budweiser starts paying me. Yeah, or whoever pays you. All right, we're going to go into some, uh, some sports gambling uh, regarding the Super Bowl. So I'm going to start off. I'm going to be all over the place, so bear with me. But I'm going to go ahead and throw the first one to you guys with the coin toss outcome. Heads or tails? I'll let Nigel go first. Uh, tails never fails. Uh, I'm glad you said that. I'm a head, I'm a head guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll take heads. With that said, who's going to win the coin toss? Who, who gets to call it? Yeah, do you know? The, do we know who the, the away team is? Uh, San Fran's the away team. Okay, so I'll go. San Fran uh, wins the toss and chooses to defer. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go that the Chiefs win. Um, because I think Niners will call tails and it'll be heads. Okay, let's go back into or let's go into coaching. Who is going to use the first coach's challenge? Chiefs or 49ers? Ooh, I should have done some homework. I've done no show prep as per usual. Trying to think. I feel like Kyle Shanahan doesn't challenge that often. Maybe I'm confusing him with somebody else. Maybe I'm thinking of Matt LaFleur. Yeah, Matt LaFleur is the one that hadn't challenged until the very end of the season in the playoffs. I don't think he had challenged one time. Yeah. I'm going to go no challenges. I know. That's what I was going to say, too. I, Dang. I like I'm going to no, go no challenge. I like no challenges and that Sky, Sky Ref uh, prevails in this game. Uh, if if I was forced to make a pick, though, I'm going to say the 49ers challenge. Oh, that's great because I was going to say Andy Reid challenges. So there you go. But I, I still hold, hold with my original that there are no challenges in the game. All right. Let's go with another fun one. Jersey number of first touchdown score, the over-under. You guys ready for an over-and-under? Yeah. Yep. All right, over-under 22.5 for the first touchdown score. Um, I would probably go under. I feel like there's some heavy hitters on the over, but uh, I think my prediction for first touchdown, I'd, if I was going to throw it to a number, I'd say number 10, Pacheco. I think he'll be the first guy that scores a touchdown, so – I mean, there's there's a handful of number. Debo is also like a good one that's under the, under there, or Ayuk, or Patty Mahomes just uh, running one in, or Brock Purdy running one in. You know, there's a, there's a hand there's a handful, but I I would lean under. I'm glad that you again said under because I'm I'm gonna go the opposite and go over. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has been my guy in fantasy all year long. Number twenty three. Um, he has one game out of the last uh, 22 that he hasn't scored a touchdown in. So I'm going to say he scores one early in this one and uh, 
gets the first one. I do think I don't want to blow the lid off any uh, other uh, prop bets that come up, but I do feel like whoever has the ball first is going to score a touchdown off of their script. So it yeah. it's very dependent in my mind on who gets the ball first is obviously is the person who scores, which there's options for both teams for the over under on number, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking under. So, okay. Now let's flip it around to the last touchdown of the game. Same over under 22 and a half last touchdown of the game. I'm, I think I just keep it consistent and go under again because it, well, oh, fuck. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go under because again, I think uh, Ayuk or Debo are gonna be the last person to score a touchdown in the game. That's when they're down uh, 17 points to make it a 10 point game. Ooh. Um, I'll go. I'll go over, and I'll say uh, I'll say Kittle with the go ahead touchdown. How about that? Dang. All right, you guys ready for some more? Let's go fresh from the field. Nick Bosa to have two-plus sacks in the game. That seems like a tough one. Two-plus? Is it two-and-a-half or two? Two Two-plus. Two Uh, with a plus sign. I'll take under. Yeah, I would take the under on that, too. I don't think Patty's going to get sacked in this game. Or if he does, it'll be one time. Yeah, Patty is pretty elusive, I would guess. that. Does it count as a sack if he gets a uh, roughing the passer? (laughs) um like while he has the ball no it does not (laughs) because the fix is in but yeah i'm gonna go under i i would go under that on san fran's team having two and (laughs) two and a half sacks or over two and a half sacks yeah that's kind of where i'm at team two sacks at most so i'm uh not gonna say that bosa gets two all right, let's go over to the offensive side of the field. Travis Kelsey having 11-plus receptions in the game. Is that really the number? Yeah, 11-plus. I would take the under. I'll take the under on that as well. I think he's going to have a nice game, just like he did against Baltimore, but yeah, 11 but is going, a lot of catches. He's going against the best linebacking core in the NFL. Fred Warner, Greenlaw, like those guys are those guys are good in pass coverage too. Well if they know it's good for him, they won't put a linebacker on him. They'll put Reed on him, who's even better. Yeah. So I mean I I think that uh I think that's gonna be a tougher matchup for Kelsey. He'll get his, but I don't think that I'm not going to take over. Although you say that, and uh, Kyle Hamilton was I think first team all pro safety and he was guarding him and he actually had we didn't talk too much about the Ravens game, like uh, about you know the real nitty gritty stuff. But Kyle Hamilton single handedly got abused by Kelsey in that game, but then also had a really nice game and made a ton <laughs> yeah. of really good plays. So uh, I don't know, but yeah, you're right. Reed Reed is a good player, and he'll yeah. I would assume a, he'll match a lot of receptions. Like, sorry, I'm I'm gonna correct myself right now before we get too far down the rabbit hole. I'm sorry. Uh, that was just for a spicy parlay that they had on DraftKings. The over-under for uh, for Travis Kelsey is going to be six and a half. Oh, okay. I'll take yeah. the over on that. Yeah, I'll take the over. He feels like he's good for eight eight catches, 86 yards, and, yeah. a, and a toter. Yeah. All right, we'll flip it around to George Kittle then on the other side at three and a half. I'd also take the over on that. Three and a half receptions? Yep. I would think they'd. If they are smart, they'll probably throw them two screen passes in the game. So now you're halfway there. I think it depends if Debo's healthy, fully healthy. Um, I'll take. Hmm, 
I would take the over, but not by much. I don't like, I like that four number right there. So I'll, I'll go over three. I'll, I'll say four receptions for him. All right. You want to talk quarterbacks? Sure. Let's talk quarterbacks. Brock Purdy, the over under at 248.5. Passing yards? Yes. 248.5. Um, I'm going to take the under. I'll take the over on that. All right. I think uh I think his receivers are going to make plays and I I think that McCaffrey is going to be a bigger part of the passing game than the rushing game. I think he's projected for I think well you're going to do your over/unders here so I'll save that but I'm going to say McCaffrey's going to be a big part of the uh the passing attack in this one and so he'll add he'll add 50 yards to that on the ground. Just to add for context, they have uh Christian McCaffrey the over/under is four and a half for him on receptions. I'll take the over on that. Yeah, I'd probably take the over too. I feel like this is going to be a defensive game. So I'm kind of like receptions. I'll take the over on yards. I feel like it's a different story. I mean, Purdy's kind of always relying on a guy breaking a tackle and going. Yeah. No disrespect to Purdy, but like, I just don't know those lanes are going to be open. Um, so I'm still sticking under. Okay, then we got Patrick Mahomes the over under at two sixty one point five. I think that's an under too. I will take the over on that. I think this game's going to be a little more open than than you think. All right, the topic here is now the first of the game. We're going to go with the first kickoff. Just a yes or no. We got opening kickoff return for a touchdown. No. Would you take that bet? <laughs> no. No. I think it's going to be a touchback. Are you sure that's not <laughs> yeah. the question? That was the next question. Will the opening kickoff be a touchback? Yes, yes or no? Yes. I I would bet the mortgage on it being a touchback. Who's scoring first? Chiefs. Niners. What's that, go- that's really on, in my mind, it's really who wins the coin toss because I think either team's script will get them into scoring range. Yeah, I think both teams score on their first drives. Maybe not touchdowns, but I think yeah, both they teams score. score. Yeah. What do you got? Do you got uh, first of the game a touchdown or a field goal to start the scores? Touchdown. Field goal. Will Brock Purdy throw a touchdown or an interception first? Touchdown. Patty Mahomes, interception or touchdown first? Touchdown. Touchdown. Okay. All right, give me a little bit here to catch up, find something else for you boys. Let's go to defensive side a little bit. Um, well, that's not, Oh, that's still passing over there. All right, we'll, we'll stick with passing here for a second until I get to the defense. Uh, over, under on Brock Purdy throwing over or uh, one and a half touchdowns. Throwing, under. Yeah, I'll go under on that too. That's just throwing, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll go yeah. under on that. All right, let's go with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Same, same one. One and a half for him. Yep. Over. Yeah, I'll go over as well. All right, we're jumping over to the defensive side. Yes or no? Kansas City Chiefs to lose a fumble. Wait, does that mean their offense loses a fumble? Yeah. It's just saying Chiefs to lose a fumble. Okay. Um, I would assume it's for the yeah, offense. You, the defense yeah. can't really lose a fumble. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, they could, but, uh, no, I'll say yes on that one. 49ers. I guess it depends on if Kadarius Tony. And I'll plays. say, I'll say no on the Niners. 
I'm going to say yes on the Niners. I think Brock Purdy costs yeah, one up. Yeah, I was up. feeling the same thing there. Brock Purdy costs one up. It's, he gets strip sacked. You guys ready for another over-under? Mm-hmm. Two and a half turnovers for, for the entire game. For the entire game. I'm going to go under. Yeah. It's like, it feels like, in my mind, it's going to be a one, one, one apiece. Yep. Yeah, I'm in the same. All right, stand by. We got some. What do you guys want? What, what, what do you guys want to look into here? What's a spicy? Do you guys have any? Let me ask you this: Do you have any spicy bets that you're putting down for the Super Bowl? Um, I got a spicy bet. I think it's spicy. I was thinking about this today and listening to some stuff. Uh, it was actually Cam Newton. I was listening to Cam Newton talk, and uh, he's kind of saying how uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he, he Pat, Patty doesn't do QB sneaks, right? Mm-hmm. I think like the last time he did, he hurt his knee. Is that even just last year, like in the or right before the playoffs yeah, or in the playoffs? Right. As he hurt his knee, like, and then had that game against Jacksonville. I got a. This is a. This is the flyer. I don't know. I'll have to. Maybe I'll have to go to the casino and see if they'll even take it. But I like Travis Kelsey QB sneak touchdown. That's my spicy pick because they won't run Patty Mahomes on it, but they might motion him out. Like wildcat, and then and then have and then have, have Kelsey, Kelsey going and then have. I mean, they got to be at like the half yard line for this to work. But Kelsey, Kelsey QB sneak under center, and there's your turnover. <laughs> no, that that's a there's touchdown. Your, cuts there's a, your cut. There's your cuts fumble. There's your fumble. That's and, a cut uh, to T Swift. You you try to outsmart yourself on the goal line instead of just. Giving it to your running back, you have your tight end go under center and try to get that's you know, I, I I don't necessarily not think that that's a thing that they would try to do, but that seems like a fumble to me. You guys want some uh, game props here? Hold on, I got my uh, oh, yeah, sorry, I Nigel, my, uh, I just cut you off. Yeah, I got my my Niners related uh, pick to click here, um, kind of twofold that that I think is gonna hit. So you got Brock Purdy. Rushing yards on the game are set at 13 and a half. I take the over. Exactly. I think the last couple weeks he's shown when he's under pressure, he likes to scramble, get get out of the pocket. I'm So I would take the 13 and a half over on the rushing yards because I, I think this uh, – That's your spicy pick. This KC D- – And you I'm, got more. Uh, I was going to pair that with uh, – with <laughs> That's a, not, yeah. yeah. I was going to pair that with an over uh, over half – over that's a red bell pepper spicy <laughs> yeah. level right now. Yeah. You have that's the 13 the, uh... and a half yard over. Yeah, fair enough. I got Travis Kelsey doing a I fucking said... QB sneak for a touchdown. <laughs> and you're telling me that Brock Purdy is going to get more than I 13 it, yards. I rushing. said a pick to click, not a uh, spicy pick. Yeah, but that's what Tanner asked. Uh, okay. Well, sorry. I, missed, I want spicy. I, I missed the, uh, the memo on that. Yeah, I've got I've got 13 and a half yards. He'll probably get that on his first rushing attempt. I I didn't realize we were doing spicy. I thought we were doing like pick to click, like something I I'm guaranteeing is going to happen. So, yeah. No, I'm not guaranteeing that Travis Kelsey <laughs> is going to run in a touchdown. He's guaranteeing it right now. He's putting all Lock his money in. into it right now. Lock it in. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I have a spicy. You think about it. Know. Yeah, I'll, I'll we'll, think about that. At the end of it we'll uh, yeah, maybe you were right to cut me off earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like I'm going to let you finish, I'll, but your pick it, your picks a 
That's Lowry season. That's that's salt and pepper, not Lowry seasoning. On <laughs> yeah, that, <so>. exactly. <laughs> you think about it. Wait till the end. I'll ask you again, and we'll get Luke's uh, click the pig. Yeah, <laughs> See if he has the same one as you. That's a salt and white pepper pick, right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's a game prop for you. You think it's gonna be a defensive battle? Either team to score three unanswered times. Ooh. Yes or no. My honestly, my inclination is to say yes, considering that the Niners have basically done have given that up against the Packers, and and that was the Lions, right? They yeah. give up three straight scores against the Lions too. Yep, they basically have given up three to straight three straight in each game to start. I'm um, I'm a little blurry on the details, so I wouldn't anticipate. I'm that. inclined to say that that will happen because the Niners have come out slow each game. I mean, three straight could be three field goals too. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say yes to that one myself, but yeah, I'll say yes. The, uh, the Seahawks kind of did the same thing. You can also see it on the back end. Second that, Super Bowl run. And then they came out pretty hot in the, you can see it on the back end too, though, that it's like if one of the teams goes up and then gives up three straight scores, one before halftime, one to open the second half. Yeah. It's definitely plausible. I, just, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. You want an over-under? I got it for you. Largest lead of the game, over-under 13 and a half. Over. Um, I'm going to go under on that. I'll say largest. I, I can't say there's going to be three straight scores by one team <laughs> yeah, and, then, exactly. and then take the under. <laughs> yeah. So I think I got I to gotta stick with uh I'll say most is 11 points. Hmm. Will any team score 30-plus points? Yeah. Yeah. 40-plus points? No. Okay. All right, Luke, while I'm looking for more, give me your click to pick. Click to pick or pick to click? Pick to click. Pick to click. Um, I guess my pick to click, uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling bullish on uh, Isaiah Pacheco, so I don't really know what, what the pick is there, but – I think I'd feel pretty good about any bet on him to take the over on any rushing yards, touchdowns, maybe not receptions. I don't know what his reception numbers is at. His rushing is at 65 and a half. Yeah, I'd take the over on that. I assume his touchdowns is half. If it's half, I'd take it. If it's one and a half, I'd be a little more worried. Uh, just because they have too many other guys they go to, especially because Kelsey's got to run one in. But <laughs> um, uh, Pacheco would be my pick to click. I think he's a guy that's going to have a game. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with the uh, Purdy, Purdy over over twelve and a half, and Purdy over half an interception too. I'll I'll take that. A little parlay, a little parlay action. Let's talk about most rushing yards. Which player is going to have the most rushing yards of the game? Well, I'll stick with my pick-to-click there. Isaiah Pacheco, I'll take him over CMC. I'll take CMC on that. Most receptions? Most receptions? Probably Debo. I'll say Kelsey. Yeah. Most receiving yards? I'm going to stick with Debo. (laughs) Yeah, I... I'm going to go Debo on that as well. You know who has the best odds right now for most receiving yards for both teams? Ayuk. I was going to say Ayuk probably, but... And then Kelsey right behind him. Yeah, Debo will get those screen passes, though. 
yeah, and all Debo, he need, all he needs is one. all he needs is one screen pass to yeah. go for fifty. Ayuk will get the fifty yard bomb, or he won't. Or he, exactly, and, or he, and he won't. won't yeah. And he won't have a good game. Yeah. Nigel, you get your spicy pick yet? Um, spicy pick is um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I have one off the top of my head. Uh, Mahomes throws over two picks in the game. Didn't you just say before you thought it was going to be under? <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's. Spicy. I guess that's why yeah, it's spicy. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's so spicy. This he's, guy's unhinged. <laughs> yeah, he's betting against himself. Yeah. All right, let me ask you guys this: Who do you have for the Super Bowl winner? Uh. I'm going to go ahead and jump in on that one to start because uh, I think I, we did our Super Bowl predictions before. And uh, if I'm checking my notes properly, I had the uh, 49ers and the Chiefs in there, as we've kind of documented. And I had the 49ers winning. But I'm here to say that uh, now I'm putting my money where my mouth is by switching my pick. <laughs> and uh, I got the Chiefs. To the tune of a C note on them to win, so hey yo, yeah. And for those listening at home, uh, I guess Nigel and I were talking about this the other day. And if my calculations are correct, I'm up 21 units on the year. <laughs> okay, so for all of our whatever better, his units are for for, <laughs> yeah. for yeah. Well, that's you're the one who told me that. Yeah, is it? Yeah. yeah. Is that uh, for those listening at home? I'm up 21 units, so I don't know why you would bet against me right now. Um, but I got the Chiefs. Even though I picked the four, it was tough because I picked the 49ers when the playoffs started. I got I got bad news for you, and that's uh, I saw a guy on Reddit today that's uh, on Reddit picked <laughs> made Super Bowl picks for the last 14 years incorrectly <laughs> with proof of it, <laughs> and he said he's got Chiefs winning. So uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to go against him, and I'm going to go Niners with the dub on this one. That's just going to be my spicy pick. I'm going 49ers just because I'm going against Luke. I'm just betting against Luke, which yeah. is – that makes He's due to lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you, this guy's on a hot streak. Did you see uh, – it cropped up in my Insta feed, but did you see the clip from uh, Hard Knocks with the uh, O's, the mentalist or whatever? Remember when we watched Hard Knocks with yeah. the Jets? Did yeah. you see the guy's video talking about that? Um, I – I saw I saw something crop up about this. I, but I, basically, when he was at Hard Knocks with the Jets, he's got me, he's got right. Cole Hardman up that's there right. that like predict the Super Bowl or whatever. Yeah, X Y Z, and then he's like, so obviously the Jets are in here. Who are you playing? The 49ers. What's the score? Thirty-one twenty-one. And yeah. then he flips the board, and it's exactly what Cole Hardman said. Yeah. As the guy points out, I was like. Meekle's now on I the Chiefs. Yeah. So it's like, that's your pick right there. I, I kind of want to so go. I kind of want to. the mentalist, and you're going to. I'm trusting in myself. I already gonna, said that. You're, you're going you're gonna to go down and go exact score. I do want to. I actually do want to place an exact score bet for 31-21 Chiefs, because that's also, that's also like a pretty good seven, score yeah, to seven throw. Seven point game, and, and then someone kicks a field goal. Other team yeah. goes down the field and doesn't get it. Yeah, you know, get, like it's right a, there. Throws a pick and then you kneel out. Like yeah, I, I like that. Like it, it's like a it's a pretty it's a pretty manageable. And again, if you remember last year, I was very close to uh, 
getting the score almost exactly right. Thank you. I didn't, I didn't do any show prep to, to, uh, compare what I picked last year to this year, but I was like very close. It was like a couple points off on each one. So I'm feeling pretty confident about my chiefs pick. Who is your Super Bowl MVP? Travis Kelsey. <laughs> the script is in. Yeah. Wow. Psyop right in front of us here. Um, when he runs in a QB sneak and catches a touchdown, <laughs> there's no way they're going to take it away from him. Yeah, that, that'd be something. Um, I, hmm, 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 hmm. I'm going to go CMC. Would be my, would be my pick. He's gonna get. I mean, if you have the 49ers winning, that's a pretty. Yeah, exactly. Two two touchdowns, 120 total yards. I think that's uh, that'd be the numbers right there. I'm gonna go Brock Purdy just because it just like feels it. it's gonna yeah, be a Cinderella like story too. type of thing. It's I mean, gonna... it's a QB award most of the time, so yeah. you need the if 49ers. If he comes out with a win. decent game, if the 49ers win and he has a decent game, they're they're gonna give it to him, Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, it's it's gonna be. I do think it's gonna be an interesting game overall though because you know your head my head at least says generally patty mahomes way better quarterback you know all things the same go with the way better quarterback and so it's going to be interesting if the niners playmakers can actually be you know overcome that really good kansas city defense and and get the dub because i think both defenses are really good but Mahomes is going to do his thing because he's Mahomes. That's kind of my second spicy pick. I don't know that I fully believe this, but I feel like saying it is that I wouldn't be shocked if it's like a boring Super Bowl game to your to your average, to your average fan, yeah. like that it ends up being the game that's like 17-10 or like vintage <laughs> yeah. Seahawks too, that it's like to your average fan it's boring because nobody's scoring, but it's because like – this is a number two and number three scoring defense. Chiefs are number two, mind you. Number two scoring defense in the NFL, and Niners are number three. Was that Patriots-Rams a few years ago? Yeah, that was like 13-3. <laughs> <was like>, <laughs> to three. Yeah, exactly. That game kind of did suck, though. <laughs> yeah, because they knew Jared Goff couldn't do anything. So they and, just... Tom, and honestly, Tom Brady couldn't do anything either. Yeah, but That's I a whole other yeah. conversation <laughs> yeah. that I think is worth exploring later about Tom Brady and some of his Super Bowl performances. But uh, that game actually was kind of boring, but I could see this game being, in my mind, not boring, but actually just a defensive clinic. Yeah. Uh, Trent McDuffie. I could also see it be a 31-21 <laughs> game yeah. where, like, there's spurts of offense and spurts of defense and, like, you – I mean, kind of like the game last year against Philadelphia. But I think I, both teams will score 30 at least. I would put my money on both teams scoring under 20 or under 21 before both of them scoring over 30. I don't know what that There's means. There's my spicy but pick for you then. <laughs> both teams over 30. So you got the over. Got the over. I can't find it on here for the odds and everything, but what about the color of the Gatorade? Mm. Um, I'll go orange. Blue. Wait, it was, it was orange wait, last wait, wait, wait. For- I want red because both teams were red. Wow. How about that? How about that? Both teams, both teams have red on their jerseys. So I feel like they got to have a red, a red Red Gatorade Gatorade. somewhere ready to pour on them. So it doesn't matter who wins. It'll be red. It'll be red. You said red. You said orange. Yep. It was orange last year, wasn't it? 
think so, yeah. I'll go with blue since there's not a lot of colors to choose from. You can go clear. <laughs> go water. One, one year, a few years ago, it might have been the COVID year. I think there was no Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. They, I think it was COVID. I think it was the Patriots, Rams, I think, that it was COVID year that they did no Gatorade. Is that typically a choice that you can bet on? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. That's always on the prop sheet. All right. This is on here. Has nothing to do with the Super Bowl, but I'm just going to throw it your guys' way anyway. Russell Wilson. For which team will Russell Wilson take his first snap in the 2024-25 NFL regular season? Ooh. Atlanta Falcons. I, I was just going to say Atlanta Has the best Falcons. odds for the Falcons right now. What are the commanders at on that? That's a good one, too. Plus 650. Problem is with the commanders, they have the second overall pick. Yeah. So they'll probably draft a quarterback. Fair point. That would, but I I don't think that's a bad pick because he could still they could still draft somebody and bring him. Well, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on how much the uh, Broncos will eat his contract. Well, the Broncos are gonna cut him, I assume, and he'll have no contract. So, but then he has to clear waivers. I don't think that'll be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Reunion with the Seahawks. Um. You know, it could happen. Honestly, I want we. I think we've done this exact thing before, and honestly, I wouldn't be that opposed. Yeah, to I'd it. love that. Why not? Fuck it. More on that when we talk about Mike McDonald. How about that? Sounds good. And with that said, we will take another quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with you to talk about who is Mike McDonald. And we are back again. Who is Mike McDonald? Well, one thing we know about him that last year he led the first team in NFL history to lead the league in scoring defense, takeaways, and sacks. That team, of course, was the 2023 Ravens, who under Mike McDonald's leadership allowed just 16.5 points per game, recorded 60 sacks, and 31 takeaways. He's a spring chicken at 36 years old. Got some young blood coming into the system. What was your guys' initial reaction to the signing? Do you want to start, Nudge? Sure. Um, my initial reaction was excitement. I mean, I think uh, we've talked about it a bit before that, you know, who's that? I don't, we don't know the, the coaching ranks necessarily, but who's the, like, young guru guy? Yeah, you hit that one on the head, yeah, it's in, like, my, in my opinion. Yeah. Who's the young young guru that's up and coming that that you don't really know the name of yet, but that's the that's the dude that everyone wants to sign, and I think that's the guy that we got. And so he's thirty six, um, and seems like you know kind of a prodigy type of guy. Like he's he started coaching um, as an he started as an intern I think when he was twenty one on uh, Harbaugh's staff, and then has kind of worked his way up was working with the linebackers originally and then um went to John Harbaugh's team with Michigan for for a year right it was just one I think it was just one yeah it was season. yeah I thought that was an interesting thing when I was looking at it because uh yeah he was there for 2021 the year prior which again n- not going to go down a 
Michigan rabbit hole, but they were like two and six during the COVID year. And uh, they actually asked Jim Harbaugh to take a uh, pay cut after that because they were, I think they were honestly questioning whether or not Harbaugh was the guy. And then the next year, basically, I I don't know how that, I don't know how that worked, but yeah, they kicked, they kicked uh, McDonald off of John's staff to go to Jim's staff for a year. And then they instantly went back to being a top 20 defense in college. And then he went right back to (laughs) Jim or John Harbaugh's staff. Yeah, it seemed like a little brotherly love there going on. It's like, hey, I got this guy that's he's ready to be a DC. He just needs the the chance, and I can't give it to him right now. So, why I'll you loan take him, him? Yeah, yeah, loan him for a year or two until I got an opening, and then I'm taking him back. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think I I mean, me excitement is is the is the thing because it's kind of exactly what what I wanted to see, you know, and especially, I mean, I'm especially excited that it's a defensive minded guru because there's so many of these offensive guys, um, that, that are out there now, but not many like defensive young gurus, it feels like. So I kind of like that, like Seahawks focusing on the defensive end and like running the ball and the, you know, we've talked about this on the show before, like the style of football I like to watch. And um, so I think it kind of like hit all the heads there uh, for me. So that's my initial reaction, at least. Yeah, a few thoughts on it is that, yeah, Nigel kind of touched on this both prior to hiring him and then just now is that it's like if you're going to fire Pete Carroll, like that's where it's like we talked about Vrabel and Dan Quinn and guys like that, that it's like I don't want to see that because it's like yeah. we, we know who they are. It's like why not just keep Pete Carroll so if you're going to fire him, it should either be Harbaugh, in my mind, Jim Harbaugh, or it should be a young young guru. Yeah. And so I assume they tried with Harbaugh and they didn't get him. And so then you basically got a Harbaugh disciple, young guru. So in my mind, it's kind of the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, you kind of ended up with both. Right. We'll see. We'll see what, what yeah. happens. But like at least as of now, like it feels like it's a really good hire. Um, we didn't do a podcast uh, between the weeks, but it definitely felt like leading up like around the time we did our last podcast or like shortly after. And then in the interim is that it's like Seahawks are either going to hire uh, ben, ben Johnson, Johnson or Mike McDonald and the commanders are probably going to hire the other one. Yeah. And we didn't do a podcast, but in my mind, and I know Nigel probably felt the same way as it's like, I'd go Mike McDonald. Yeah. Because I'm more defense guy. Agreed. Like, I, I kind of feel like it might not be true, but it feels this way that, like, offensive guys are more dime a dozen. They're guys that come and go. And so, I if you have a young defensive-minded coach that's out there, I'd rather take him. Yeah. And so, even leading up to that, I was like, I really hope that it's Mike McDonald's the guy that they're going to go with. And then... When they announced it, I felt pretty good about it, and I still feel good about it. Yeah, obviously. And I feel like a lot of a lot of people's rationale was like, you need to hire the young offensive mind so that it they can like kind of be the one that runs it, and then they can hire an old head defensive coach that's like the secondary head coach, but like runs the defense. I feel the complete and, opposite. And, and, yeah, exactly. It's like I feel I feel the exact opposite, and and so the Seahawks have already kind of started down this path that it's like. You hired the young offensive guru. Now you just hired an assistant. A defensive guru. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. defensive guru. And then you just hired an assistant head coach. Yeah, so Leslie now it's like Frazier. Leslie Frazier, 
who's a, men- a who's, a men- who's a mentor to to uh, Mike McDonald, and then and then now you just have it opened up and to whatever you want. You know, you now you have the experienced head coach and you have the guy who's going to run the defense. Offensive coordinator can be whatever you want. It can be, you know, up and coming guru type, or it can be old head, whatever you. you know, Ryan whatever. Grubb. Yeah, and <laughs> that's what <laughs> I want to see. Yeah, and was going to get to that, but yeah, that's the. That's the real, the real fun one, and it it kind of feels like it's trending that way. I I, I don't know. They're saying uh, Chip Kelly, yeah, is a, is a name I, that's thrown I heard, around. I heard that. Um, I think it was from someone from the Ringer reported that the Seahawks interviewed Chip Kelly last night, but no one else is reporting that, and no one else can confirm that. And so I think a lot of people are curious and skeptical right now at at, at this point. I also saw that uh, Bama, it, today, it's uh, Wednesday today, today's the National Letter of Intent signing day. Every single program in college football held a press conference today, except Alabama. Which Interesting, is, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, Alabama's the only only major program that did not hold a press conference, and I just can't help but think that it's because maybe they, or they definitely are unsure about Ryan Grubb, and... They don't want to talk about it right now until they have more, more of an idea of what's going to happen. So, interesting. Yeah, just to add on to what you guys are saying, it's low hanging fruit, but a defensive minded guy is what the that's the proper fit for the Seahawks right now because what's been hurting for the last however many years now. Yeah, the it's like that's where both. they need the most. Of. Yeah, both. <laughs> yeah, both the team, both, but specific, like especially the defense, especially for a team that identifies yeah. as a defensive team. Like yeah. you needed to do something there, and I think that's a really good hire for them. So, with that said, who do you guys think? You guys have already named some guys for offensive coordinators. So I just want to jump into the defensive coordinator. Who do you think could take those that spot? I don't. Is it not going to be less? Well, I don't think it matters because I feel like Mike McDonald's already said that he's calling the plays. Yeah. So uh, I feel like less. Is it not going to be Leslie Frazier? I don't think so. I think he's only assistant head coach. Yeah, that's his official title right now. I'm sure that – I mean, it leaves an interesting opportunity there where you can kind of have the next – you know, who who does he think is the next up-and-coming person? Who's the the guy that was, you know, his – under his wing in Baltimore or or at Michigan that he's like, no, this guy's a a smart guy and I'm going to give him a chance to go be a a DC under me because I'm going to be calling the plays. I'll let him, you know – put the defense together during the week. So I don't, I don't know who – I have no idea who it's going to be, but I think it's a interesting, you know, position that we're in right now with that because it it leaves it open to being anybody, you know. It doesn't have to be an experienced person. Yeah. I And, yeah, building off that is that that's where you would hope that throw somebody who's a young up-and-comer in there because realistically it's kind of a fake title. Yeah, exactly. Like – McDonald's going to call the plays. You're already he's, playing with house money. He's the it. defensive coordinator, so like get somebody young. That you, you can also form them into what you want them to be, and eventually they might take the play calling so you can focus on your head coaching duties. A little exactly. Bit. exactly. Instead of yeah. getting an old head in there that might push back on you and yeah. not be lockstep with you or innovative. It's like get somebody young in there, some sort of position coach. Could be, linebacker, like, could be a linebacker coach or yeah. – 
hope I'm hoping he'll be a linebacker coach because that's been a position, honestly, in my mind that has not been very good. Well, that's I think that's the one positive thing I mentioned it earlier is that um, that's Mike McDonald's background was linebacker coach, and I, I think it, um, you know, definitely position of need for the Seahawks. I'm we'll get more into draft talk and stuff as the weeks go on here, but like. I'll be interested to see if that I'm kind of thinking that's going to be an area that you might see a first round, second round pick going towards. Also, Patrick Queen is a free agent this year, the Ravens current linebacker. So another guy who wouldn't be surprised if you come, if uh, he meandered on out this way to go follow his coach. I think he's already Seahawks will get the guy they should have drafted instead of Jordan yeah, Brooks when yeah, they exactly. when they took Jordan Brooks a pick ahead of Patrick Queen. I think he's already credited Mike McDonald with his turnaround because he was kind of at a his second year, I think, after he had a good first year with Mike McDonald as his coach and then when he uh left, he had a bad second year. He's kind of credited Mike McDonald with his turnaround and his, you know, being a all-pro type type linebacker so yeah you might also credit that to them going and getting Roquan Smith who is probably the best middle linebacker in the game that usually helps too yeah is that then you get to play next to the best player in the league I mean Jordan Brooks had the same luxury when uh Bobby his first year with Bobby Wagner next to him but yeah no it's still nice to hear I saw that uh Matabuke also I think yeah followed the Seahawks or whatever on Instagram or whatever and bring him on over. You know, there's always speculation that maybe maybe that'll be a guy. But I would think if I'm Mike McDonald though, is that it's like all these players are nice. Uh do it through the draft. Like that's where you're like yeah. spending a lot of money on a guy like Patrick Queen isn't what's gonna make you a Super Bowl contender. Drafting guys that can become them and they're way cheaper. Yeah, is how you build it, and hopefully, and that's what John Schneider likes to do too. So it, yeah, and hopefully he can tell him the type of player that he needs in those positions. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for. It. I think it was a, I think it was a, a plus hire. Yeah, and it, I uh, the other thing that I heard, and I'm trying to think who it was. I think it was, um, I think it was the one of the commentators for. Um, or the play-by-play guy for the Ravens or something came on the radio the other day and they were asking him some questions and it hit, they were asking him about his like style and like how, you know, how he's been effective with, with players with the Ravens. And a lot of it really reminded me of, or what he was saying reminded me of early Pete Carroll (laughs) that he's like, what he does, what his best attribute is, is putting guys in a position to succeed. Like that was the the first thing, that that was the first thing he said it's like how like that was kind of the calling card of Pete at the beginning of his time with the Seahawks. It was like, what, you know, what is this person good at? What is, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to think of his name, our edge rusher, um, um, his, one of his first, his first draft pick. Why can't I think of his name? Uh, Bruce. Oh, Bruce Irvin. Irvin. Yeah. Bruce, uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Bruce, yeah. I, was, I don't know why I was blanking out there. So, it's like Bruce Irvin. What is he good at? at? You know, being an edge rusher. Being, you know, like he's not polished. Of, what yeah, is he good at? Yeah, putting him in, and then eventually like tra- training him to be put in space and like, but doing the things that he was, you know, only the things that he was good at. And so, uh, I'll be curious to see. And even like with, with uh, Jamal Adams, you know, it's like guy that you couldn't really uncrack the code for 
this last these last couple of years, maybe Mike McDonald can. And you know, you still have him on on contract for another year, I think, maybe two. And so it's a guy that you spent a lot of assets to get. If you can uncrack his code and and have a coach that can figure out how to get to him, could be could be a big thing. On yeah. top of the fact that you got a lot of young guys that have plenty of molding that can be done. I think I think that is one part of it that I'm most excited about is that and we talked about this like leading into the season for the Seahawks is it's like you have this young defense and obviously we like kind of relate it to Legion of Boom, you know, era type defense, but it's like you got all these young guys, like we wanna see that kind of energy and production out of them and you know I'm, I was still on board with Pete Carroll being the guy that's going to come back and do it but like I, I think they made the right choice to get somebody else who now is young and maybe can occupy that space that Pete was in you know 10 years or 14 years ago when he first took over to like get the most out of these guys one of the stats that I think I had heard about Baltimore and you just rattled off a few is that they led the league in sacks. They also had like one of the lowest rates of like blitz in the NFL where they yeah. only rushed like four people, like 90% of the time or something. It was like 11% blitz rate Yeah, or like rushing more than four people and they still led the league in sacks. And like, those are the type of numbers that it's like, I think we have the guys that are here. They just need, they just need that little tweaking. You need you need the different vision that's going to get the guys in a place. And when I hear a number like that, it's like, yeah, that's that's what I want to hear. It's like I know that the guys that are here are good enough, and you're going to have to supplement that with some signings and some draft picks. But it's like, it's just that tweak. Yeah. There's no there's no way that the Ravens' defense was so much better that they could only blitz like 11% of the time and lead the league in sacks compared to the talent that's on the Seahawks team. Yeah, It's about scheme and fit and, like you said, putting guys in positions to succeed. And yeah, Jadavian Clowney had his, his best season. Exactly. His yeah, exactly. That, that's a good a example. He's a guy that you, you – if you would have asked – or if you would have told me that going into this season, like, he's not on a team this year, I wouldn't have been shocked at all, <laughs> you know, based off the last couple of years. What have you seen recently? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. No one wants to pay that guy. He's not putting up numbers. And he, I think he had 10 or 11 sacks this year. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, something something that he's doing over there yeah. is working. Scheme, fit, yeah. exploiting guys' strengths and not highlighting their weaknesses. And that feels like something that he's going to bring to this team. So, yeah. Yeah. After, it's like... After the uh, after Pete Carroll was fired or let go, whatever we want to call it, it felt like it felt like it was a bad decision. I feel like now, in hindsight, and things have settled down. It's been a week or two. It very much seems like it was time. It, like my attitude and feeling towards it has completely changed, and like I feel like they made the right decision at the right time. So I'm excited. Can't wait to see what happens. I think that fans' expectations sometimes can be over the top. So what do you guys think? Do you think that the Seahawks could possibly be a top 10 or even top 12 defense by next season? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, I, think I thought they, they had, should have been that this year. I think that, I mean, that's why ultimately I think Pete. That's why got changes fired. were made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's because I think that talent wise, everything, you know, they've got the pieces there. Um, 
So, I, yeah, I think they could be a top 10 defense in a year easily. And I was going to ask you one more question because you were talking about Jamal Adams. Are we reading in, into anything with him posting pictures of him back with the Jets? Is there anything going on there, you think, or is he just being I Jamal mean, Adams? He's just being prez, man. I think he's just doing his thing. I'm I'm not yeah, – I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see that, but I don't know. It, it's if hard the, to – If the Jets would like to trade – for him multiple first round picks to get him back they can certainly do it yeah i mean we've been jamal adam adam supporters for a while so i don't really know what that means when he's posting stuff but i would like to think that him and many of the players that are on the team right now is that you would hope that once once mcdonald gets in the building and you really like hear his message and you start to see even just on the practice field, like what the results look like. Hopefully you start towing the line and yeah. you can do whatever you want right now. It's the off season, but it's like once it comes game time, I mean, also it's like, I guess not to go too far down a Jamal Adams rabbit hole, but it's like, I would hope that Mike McDonald, he's got the experience now at this point, at least as like a talent evaluator and a guy who has helped shape really good defenses that it's like classic Pete Carroll that it's like this is about competition. I don't yeah. care how much you get paid. You you want to talk your shit and like post stuff on about the Jets. It's like Yeah, whatever. I have a I have a task to ask of you for this defense. Can you do it? No? I don't care. You'll sit on the bench. Yeah, I'll find someone who I'll can. play some I'll draft your replacement right now. Yeah. And we'll see if that's what comes comes of it, but like at least from what I've seen from his resume, it seems like that's something that is something he'll be able to do. One last thing regarding uh, Mike McDonald and, and the team of the future. I'm just, can you imagine what's gonna what he's gonna do with Spoon? Like, that's a that's a real exciting prospect for me, just because. I mean, Pers- he, personally, he was all over the place. You know, like. Playing nickel, playing outside, playing, you know, like. Personally, I would hope, and I don't know, but I would personally hope that Mike McDonald will be like, that's done. You're, uh, and he'll be able to hopefully evaluate talent better than we can from watching games. I was like, you have an elite skill set. You play outside opposite of Reek Woolen. I can put anybody in those other spots to go make plays because I need you outside locking this down. Yeah. Either way, whatever it is, I'm excited because I yeah. see the talent there, and like he had Marcus, Nickel, he had Marcus Peters on his team for a long time. I would yeah. think that like he's a Marcus Peters type. Is like I want you to go make plays, but yeah. you're gonna make your plays out wide, playing ISO ISO defense out wide. Yeah, I don't know. He made a lot of good plays at nickel too this year. That's fine, but I. In my mind, I would look at it and be like, I can find other guys that I can like move around. You're an elite level DB. I want to secure like the outside numbers of my def. Much like lob, that's why yeah. I feel like we made this comparison before. Is like lob is like that's what Pete Carroll and the Seahawks did very well. Is like we feel so secure like outside the numbers at corner and deep safety. So now we can play around with our parts in the middle of the defense. And, like, that's what I'm good at. But I need security out wide. 
And I, I, I feel like Spoon is just a lockdown guy that it's like, it's fun to see him run around. But even like I was saying before, is that he wasn't a high pressure, high pressure DC guy that's like, why drop nickel blitzes when like you yeah. know how to drop pressure without it? You drop pressure because you have guys who can cover out wide. Yeah. Like, the, you know, one usually follows the other. So we'll, we'll see what, we'll yeah. see what happens. But he said, is it his, his kind of mission statement is like, I like to put guys in positions to succeed. I don't know if that means moving guys around a ton. It's like, this is your position. This is what you do. And personally, uh, I could be humbled, but I'd like to see Spoon just play that right corner, right corner, right? And that's a, like to the quarterback's <laughs> right-hand sign, uh, yeah. side. I, yeah. Like, uh, I feel like it, every yeah. time I look at it, I feel like it switches, but it's like to the, the strong right, side or the, to the, the right tackle's side. Out that way, play that side, let Reek play the other side, and like you are solid out there, and then let let other guys make those plays across the middle. But I don't know, I think it's an exciting time. Exciting time. This has been a topic that we beat up quite a bit, but we do have a listener question from Carolyn from out in the Big Apple, New York City. And she's wondering who the next QB for the Seahawks will be. So for a little bit of context, I think the Seahawks have nine days. That's what's left to kind of make a decision on Geno, whether they're going to ride it out or if they're going to basically cut ties with him to save the money. So with that, there's a few different scenarios. Keep Geno, ride it out with him. Keep Geno, maybe draft someone somewhere in the draft. Or there's even been talks about cutting Geno and just signing Drew Locke for an extension. You guys have any predictions with that? And another little piece of information too. I think Mel Kiper just had his uh, predictions the other day, which seems like he's wrong quite a bit. But they currently have JJ McCarthy coming to the Seahawks at number sixteen. That would that would kill me. That would be comical. Um, I I guess I'll start off, start this one off. I think they're gonna keep Gino. Um, not that I want that to be the case but i i would guess they're going to keep keep gino and re-sign drew lock and then also probably draft their quarterback in the future um would be my guess yeah i think with a, a rookie head coach like his first year being head coach i just can't imagine that the first thing you do is go out and draft your quarterback of the future the 16th pick because i think it depends on who yeah, they it, hire as the oc yeah unless uh I guess it's a possibility unless John Schneider was like really keen on Locke being the starter and, and, and then he's like, yeah, Locke's going to be the guy and we're going to, we're going to cut Gino. But I, I, I just can't, I just can't really see that. I, think I mean, I feel like I heard that though, is that I don't know if there's truth to it, but part of, and maybe we touched on this before is that Gina or that Pete Carroll getting fired is that, was his allegiance to Gino being the guy and yeah. some people in management or ownership being like, we got, we got to do something else. Like yeah. this isn't working and not just Gino specific, but it's like too much, too much faith in what, in like what you've been doing, producing, moving forward. And so some of that might be Gino. Some of it might be other things in general, but yeah, I, I can't, 
it, it seems hard to imagine though that uh, you would come in and just get rid of Gino. You gotta yeah. have somebody. Yeah, I, it seems like the safe solution just to even keep if Gino, even if you draft somebody, like you still have to yeah. have somebody in the locker. Room. Unless you really do believe that Drew Lock could be that guy. He's been in the system for a few years. He had some pretty decent games as the starter when he filled in. Yeah, and he'd he'd be cheap, <laughs> you know. So the one thing I would add too, back to, you you could put him, get him for pennies on the dollar, and spend that money elsewhere. Did. With years past, John Schneider was really big about like scouting these different quarterbacks, like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. So like, it kind of makes me think like, is he just like, just like w- wanting to get a quarterback now that he finally has his chance to like be the true like decision maker? Like he doesn't have to deal with Pete Carroll and that like with him being part of the decision making. I think that very well could be it. Yeah, I could, I could definitely. See it just that. depends though if that guy is there. That they JJ McCarthy at sixteen, no. God, I hope not. <laughs> the, <laughs> the thought of that, like, I think that Brock Purdy, who's the last pick in the draft, is probably more talented than JJ McCarthy. So, I don't see any possible reason to draft JJ McCarthy at sixteen. I mean, I think that's a interesting topic. <laughs> that like. They're both game managers. They well, both are be- like well. That's where I'd they say they both is- have had their best, like their best uh, moments are getting the ball into other playmakers' hands. Well, that's where I'd like, say is I, it like I I think that's where JJ McCarthy, interestingly, is like I don't. That's why I don't understand his draft stock. Is that he? I I would counter that slightly. Is that like I think he is more talented, like air quotes, than. Brock Purdy because you don't see it that much but like he will run a nice 40 time like he is fast he is tall I think he throws the ball with a strong arm but th- that's like the that's like the big like difference and where I don't understand some of the Brock Purdy hate is that it's like there's also just like an innate ability to play the position that Brock Purdy clearly displays. Yeah. And so I don't understand why like that's held against him as a player is that actually I do understand it uh, to a large degree, not to go too far down in draft talk, but it's like the reason people hate Brock Purdy is because the, all of these people that comment on it did not have him as a high draft pick. So it hurts their credibility as analysts <laughs> when they said that he wasn't good. Right. That it's like it's a self fulfilling prophecy. It's like I told you this guy was uh, not good enough to be picked or a late round pick or undrafted, and now that he's really good, I can't like it defeats my ability to analyze these things. If now I say that he's really good, right? If Brock Purdy was the fifteenth overall or sixteenth overall pick, like JJ McCarty, everyone would be talking about him how he got snubbed to be MVP and he's great. But it's like. I've already I've already decided that he's not a good player, so like I have to validate my rankings. So to bring that full circle, I guess is that uh, JJ McCarthy is that I'm sure they'll tell you that he's more talented than Brock Purdy, but he doesn't actually, from what I've seen, like have the type of skill set that will actually make him a good player. Yet everybody has the ability to develop it, right? Yeah, but 
I, I don't know. I would I would be fucking pissed if, if the Seahawks <laughs> took him. Is it like I I can understand why people would see that he has talent. I just haven't seen anything. He's not even. A, you can't even say he's a game manager because like game manager doesn't doesn't mean that you just hand the ball off to your running backs and run the ball. <laughs> game managers don't completely get eliminated from a game because their coach is like, I'm just going to run the ball the entire time. Yeah, and have eight pass attempts in a game. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's... That's not what a game manager is. Like, you got to be able to... I, I think I think it's just really low-hanging fruit for all these draft analysts at this point because they're like, oh, well, he was at Michigan last year and he's a Harbaugh, Harbaugh guy. So, like, yeah, J.J. McCarthy, Seahawks, boom. There we go. That's our, that's our spot for him. We've got him graded as a mid-round guy. I don't think the Seahawks are going to take J.J. McCarthy. No, I don't line. think so either. Did you guys get a chance or get any insight with uh, Michael Penix during the uh, Senior Bowl? I know he didn't play, but as far as like the workouts and everything? I heard some mixed results. I heard one result that I knew was fact is that he has huge-ass hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, for the the main thing that I saw is that I mean, I think there's mixed reviews about his his ability, like to run a pro a pro style offense. But what I don't think there's mixed reviews about is that he's going to jump up draft boards. Uh, that's funny because I heard the exact opposite. Yeah, I, I heard people talking about him being a third round pick to undrafted. Yeah, I, which is which is crazy in my mind. Yeah, I he's going to be he's going to have probably a. Zach Wilson type of pro day. He's going to have the best receivers <laughs> out there on a pro day. He's going to sling the ball 80 yards all over the field in shorts. And he's going to show like crazy arm talent. He's probably going to run pretty well. He's, you know, I don't know if he'll even will run. Yeah, he probably, he probably doesn't, have, yeah, he doesn't have to. Yeah, he doesn't have to. He probably, I mean, will he even go to the combine? He probably doesn't have to do that either. He'll probably well, he'll just go to the his, combine, but. Will he? Oh, I mean, is he gonna do? Is he gonna throw at the combine? Probably not. He'll probably throw at his pro day, and then he'll go be a first round pick. You know, <laughs> go be a top ten pick. Yeah, I but. feel like some of, some of the things I've heard. I mean, I think people have concerns about his injury history, and that's always going to be a part of it. Yeah, but, but he's also not been injured the last two years, so I don't know. I mean, I guess we don't know that he was wasn't injured this year. It seemed like he was injured a bit <laughs> during the season. Yeah, I don't know that he had a major injury though. Yeah. That anyone can have a uh, have nicks and bruises and broken ribs, but yeah. So clearly, conflicting information since we heard the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, know. there you go, Carolyn. It sounds like the answer to your question is Geno Smith. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess to get back on the question is that I would be slightly surprised if the Seahawks didn't take somebody at quarterback in the draft. Not necessarily like, especially like we, I mean, I guess we just mentioned Brock Purdy's like, why wouldn't you take somebody at some point in the draft just to have some young blood in the Bonix second round, third round. That's what I'm saying is that like, maybe I'm getting conflicted news on my uh, Twitter feed is that it's like. Like coming out of it is that Bo Nix is a bona fide fucking top twenty pick, and Michael Penix might not even get drafted, which is like that's why it's like I don't I don't I I don't know where these people come up with these things because I don't care the injury history that it's like I can't 
you can't watch anything that Bo Nix has done and anything that Michael Penix has done and be like, right now, today, who would I start at quarterback on my NFL team? Bo Nix is like, absolutely not. If you're worried about injury, I can see it. But that seems like a pretty big discrepancy between a top 20 pick and a third, fourth, or undrafted pick that it's like, Michael Michael Penix has more talent in his elongated right pinky finger than Bo Nix has ever had. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. His elongated right pinky finger. Left pinky finger. Do this no, the right. No, I mean oh, his right. I mean his offhand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Got it. No, I meant that intentionally. Damn. Do the Seahawks have a second round pick this year? They don't, right? Probably not. I don't know. They oh yeah, here it is. They do not. So they have the 16th overall pick, and it's not until round three at pick number 78 is their next pick. But they have two third-round picks. Hmm. Is there any quarterbacks? In Joe that? Milton. There you go. I already got our guy. Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee's quarterback, Joe Milton. Yeah, I like I would think. And he's, I he's think my, we literally said that last he's, year. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> so. my yeah, he's my Anthony Richardson pick to click is also a guy that Good like, God, now he's gonna go in the top five. Yep. Yeah. That like <laughs> Joe Joe Milton Joe Milton will be a guy that's like right now they're talking about Bo Nix. Joe Milton will go ahead of Bo Nix. Bo Nix will end up being a third round pick and Joe Milton will end up being a late first round, early second yeah, round he's pick. One of the, if not he's higher. one of those guys that's gonna be a combine freak. He's so, a monster. Yeah. He's just like AR-15. Exactly. Like he's, he's a monster. Someone will so, fall in love. But I, I do think that there's going to be somebody like that that hopefully the Seahawks, whether it's a more ideally it's like a third-round pick, but it's like take the guy. He's got – I mean, kind of like Drew Locke, honestly. That's why I still wouldn't be sold on Drew Locke being a guy that they try to bring back into the fold is that it's like – he has athleticism. He's young. Like you're gonna, you're you have a new head coach in place that we're gonna play defense and we're gonna run the ball. I mean, we'll talk about this more when we get into more draft talk. But it's like it's the same thing that I said early in uh, Bring Your Lunch Pail podcast. Is it's like embrace the rental car QB. <laughs> this is a guy you're just gonna run, you're just gonna fucking beat like a drum, and it's like. You're gonna run. You're gonna be a six-five, two hundred and thirty-five pound quarterback that runs the ball and hits your elite level wide receivers on open on wide open routes. And we're gonna be a run-first team, whether it's the running back or quarterback. I think you can find somebody like that, and that's who I would draft if I were them. Kind of like Lamar Jackson, but Lamar is obviously a elite tier version of that. But I think there are guys that you can find. Like Jalen Hurts, that, yeah. that are like of similar uh, effectiveness. Yeah. All right. We still have Mariners and more listener questions to go to. So let's take our last break and we'll be right back with that. Mac players, ballers, grinders. Yeah, I'm the real true pimp of the year. Will you feel me? Ha <laughs> All 
right, hello, hi. We are back for our last couple segments here. Let's talk about the Mariners. Did the Mariners have an offseason maybe a little bit better than we thought initially? Right now, according to Fangraphs, Mariners are currently projected third in the AOS at 85 wins, but the Rangers are only projected to be one win above them at 86. And with that said, too, we have the Astros predicted to be the best team in the, in the American League altogether, 95 wins, which I think that was kind of a snub. I think the Baltimore Orioles are right there, too. Like, it seems like that's a team that could. It's hard to pick against the yeah. Strohs, though, right now. It's true. Uh, I don't know what their me- I don't know what their metrics are, but yeah, resume says that don't much like the Chiefs, don't pick against them until they prove you wrong. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the questions I had, and I'll kind of lead into the answer to one of them is that can one more bat or or reliever or someone in the bullpen put us over that hump to at least get over the Rangers to get to eighty seven, eighty nine wins? And I think we just saw that. The uh, the trade for Gregory Santos Right now, he's projected number one in WAR for for uh, relievers. It's not a bad, it's not a bad guy to have in your bullpen. And no, even with that said, too, you also got Brash and Munoz that are still in the top eleven too. That bullpen is fire. Yeah. So I'll, I'll hand it off to Luke here. What was your initial reaction to Gregory, Gregory Santos? Uh, initial reaction, I think, is that it's obviously a great addition and. I think uh, we kind of talked about it before that it's like Mariners will win because of their pitching. So it's, you know, it, they're doubling down on it, which is great. Yeah. And I'd love to see them, uh, I don't know, triple down. Is that a phrase? <laughs> By going and getting Blake Snell because he's still out there. And we've kind of been uh, beating the drum on that for a while. So I'd love to see it. But there is part of me that also is a pessimistic Mariners fan. That's like, uh, we, and we've talked about this before is that like we find guys out of nowhere to be good bullpen arms. So is that, is that the spot that we need to go make a trade for? So it like, I, I'm, I'm excited about it, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm going to be that like, caddy bitch that like when when he's pitching really well that it's like yeah but we could have signed like joe schmo to come in and be our other guy here and he probably would have done the same thing at least effectiveness wise the guy's got nasty stuff so like what you'll see is going to be exciting i was gonna say at least you're signing like a big time guy though that has a big future ahead of him because he's still really young yeah he's 24 24. i think yeah Yeah. so i think he's just more mlb ready than prelander oh for sure and that's and that's kind of the so to answer your question tanner i was upset because that was my uh that was my guy that i said was gonna have a breakout year and we traded him away days after i said it so well uh, to be fair, I'll still count it for you when uh, Gregory Santos has this like amazing year and he like leads the league and saves. I'll be like, that well, Nigel said Prelander Baroa as his uh, as his breakout candidate, and we traded him for the guy who is now the breakout it's candidate. So one for so one there. Yeah. I'll still yeah, I'll still give you credit for that one. <laughs> yeah, it's I, on the record. I think the it, to kind of counter your point a little bit, Luke, is that the Mariners have been really good about finding guys out of nowhere that are nobodies that perform well, but those guys perform well, usually in low pressure situations and low stakes situations. Fair. And the Mariners are very good about kind of like picking and choosing what those 
situations are and like putting guys in positions to succeed in their bullpen, which is why I think they're very successful at it. Um, I think this guy adds a little more. Um, it, it's just another guy that can, you know, when Munoz and um, and Brash are are spent and, and, you know, need a day off, you have another guy that's a high pressure dude that can, that can go out there and, and be on the other side. And, and so even though it's maybe not the, the biggest step up, cause I think Burrow was also going to be a, a good dude. Like this is a bona fide high pressure situation guy. That's going to, going to provide for the bullpen. Can so. I play devil's advocate real quick on that? Sure. It's just that it's like, um, You'd be I t- wrong, but yeah, I tend I tend to agree with everything you just said there. Other than the fact that I don't know that much about Gregory Santos, so but I do think that last year was his first legitimate year yeah. in the majors. Correct. Is that it's like, um, didn't we run into this same problem last year? That with it's brash. like yeah. that it's like yeah. You, now your core your core high leverage guys are all people that don't have that much experience, like. What said it before is that I was very much on the bandwagon and still am that we traded Paul Seawald away, but it's like your high leverage guys are all guys that are 24, 25 years old. I don't, Brash might be a little older, which means the they're same fearless Munoz. and they don't know any better, but you don't have that like old vet that is the like guy that's kind of been through the ups and downs is that like, I like the high end, potential and ability of all these guys like brash munoz santos like they're they're, i already i haven't seen the santos guy that much but i've at least seen some highlights of him is like he's filthy yeah but brash is also filthy he's not that consistent yeah so i i trust the mariners to find guys that can be consistent but like who is your anchor on this I would uh-huh. add to that though that with Brash, like it might have been a little inconsistent because they also used them a lot more than I think that they were projecting to to use them for the season. Still a young guy. What was it? Only his second season last year. But that's kind of my point, though, is that like you're you're talking about like Santos has one full year playing, Brash now has basically two full years playing, and Munoz is at two and a half. Yeah. So it's like. It's exciting because they're young and they're ultra talented and they have filthy stuff, but you don't have that guy at least right now that you feel like is your close. You don't have that guy. He doesn't even need to be a closer, but you don't have that guy in my mind that is the tried and true. I mean, if that was like at this point, it's Munoz. Like you're there two and a half years. Like that's. So that's a lot of pressure that's, on Munoz, though. Is it like now? Of like, course it is, but that's why he's, he kind of crumbled that's why late last your, season. That's why I heard the your, other day that they think Sant, uh, Santos is going to be the closer, which and, is crazy. And, and it, yeah, and he he very well could be. I mean, and I love closer, the idea closer, of young an, potential. Closer is like a whole attitude thing, you know? Right? It's like you gotta you gotta embrace that embrace that that moment. And like some guys are some guys are better at that than others. We've seen that over the years and some guys are you know can't you know some guys crumble under that and even if it's you know if you're the cl- true closer if that's what they're actually going to do that means you got to close it against the you know seven eight nine hitters and you got to close it against one two three and four so i will uh yeah I, that'd be interesting though to see because i 
the Mariners haven't had, I feel like, I guess Seawald was sort of our true closer, but I want to see a closer with like dominant stuff. Also. Yeah. And I think you have options now, which yeah. like, I'm like I said, I'm playing devil's advocate there, but I do think there's some, in my mind, there's some pause there that it's like, you got a, you got a bunch of young guys. Who's, who's your steady Eddie? Yeah. Cause none of those guys have proven doesn't mean they can't go out there and prove it this year. And Munoz, to your point, I think should be the guy because now he's I mean, been Brash, around. Brass should be too, realistically. He's been around two seasons now. It's like you can't stay young forever. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't be the young guy forever. And so I'll give you your second year. You're working out some kinks and people have caught up to you a little bit. Like, but you can't either. You either have to, you know, survive and, and get better or or you, you die and you're. <laughs> and yeah. you're, you become no one. So you're banking on those guys becoming somebody's and that this is kind of the time, you know, that I think that happens is your third year. I do think with Santos, the one thing I did hear about him, though, I don't remember. It's probably on 710 I heard this, but I don't know much about the guy. But what I've heard is that his attitude is like, I don't give a damn type of attitude. Like he has a pretty like. He, it sounds like the guy's nails, and he's that's a like a bulldog that's, type of guy. He's a bulldog type of guy, and, pale boy, and like young guy, like not a lot of experience, but like that's the type of attitude that you do want as a closer, though. Yeah, absolutely, you want a dog out there, and so if that really is his attitude, and it's just not a show, his first season in, in the MLB, like, yeah. and, it, can, and again, again, I'm just gonna, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but to like rope it into the fan graphs thing about like being projected for wherever, it's so like. That's all like on paper stuff that it's like Fernando Rodney also had the same disposition. And I love Fernando Rodney, but like that dude was fucking nails or like had that demeanor about him. Like he was cocky as fuck, but it's like part of these fan graph projections is like talking about what they do on paper. And it like doesn't change the fact that like once you actually play the games is that if you got three in, I don't know enough about Gregory Santos. All I know is that he's only played one year and I know, but I do know enough about Munoz and Brash is that like, I expect them to move up in their ability, but they're, they've shown so far in their young players that it's like, they have high, high peaks kinks in the armor. They have high yeah. peaks and they have low valleys. So who's the, and who's the guy And like traditional wisdom will tell you is that, uh, seasoned veterans have, they don't have peaks and valleys. They have like plateau, like, you know, it sounds like a, a negative, but like they have plateaus that it's like, you know, it's, they're your steady Eddie that it's like, they come out and give you consistent performance. And those three guys are not guys that have proven in their career so far that they like know how to just come in and like be steady Eddie every game. So they haven't been there. They haven't been there in the big exact, They haven't been there. They haven't been there is is the is the point. And so like when Fangraphs puts these out, it's like it's all projection based models off of what they could achieve. Yeah. And that's just be and that's just me being, like I said, devil's advocate. Yeah, that's negative, good radio. Negative Nancy <laughs> is that like I want to see them all succeed and they all have like Luke Mo- hates the Mariners. Munoz had like Munoz and Brash, the, like I know them better in Santos. They all are elite when they are elite, right? Seems like Brash <laughs> like, is elite when he's playing elite when he's going against an elite batter. 
It's yeah. like it seems yeah. like he struggles the most when it's like, oh, that should be an easy seven, out. eight, nine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there you go. When it's yeah. and it seems one, like two, that's three hitter, that's when you throw Brash in at that closer spot. Well, He's gonna close. It I out. feel like that was kind of Brash's Achilles' heel this last year was that he was in those he was in those high pressure situations where guys weren't out there just to swing at him. You know, yeah. It's like that he would. It was. Oh, that's always it was the problem. Seven, eight, the guys nine, with the like, nastiest stuff. Have. Yeah, it's like he his stuff was so nasty. It's like guys are waiting for him to throw a strike or waiting for him to throw a good pitch to hit. Yeah, if you're not chasing, there's a good chance you're getting walks. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and Munoz had the same problem. Is that he was, yeah. and we talked about this before. Is that I think there's a completely different approach with batters when it's seventh or eighth inning, ninth inning. You're waiting for a pitch to come to you. It's your last chance. Yeah. So you need to see a strike. And when guys have filthy stuff that looks like a strike and it falls off the plate, it's like, I'm not going to swing at that. Yeah. But they'll swing at it in the seventh inning and they'll whiff at it and look like fools. Yeah. So. So would you rather, so if you had to choose, if you only got one or the other, if you can get one more pitcher like in the bullpen or one more bat, what are you going to sign? It's got to be a bat. That's kind of my overarching point with all of this is that it's like, I don't doubt the Mariners' ability to find somebody to fill out their bullpen that's going to be effective. And Santos, I don't want it to come across as that I'm like not excited about this Santos guy because I think he's going to be awesome. But it's like you need you need bats. Yeah, you need somebody that's going to hit the ball. So with that said, I would assume with like a bat right now, like wily old vet, someone that's been there, would you be interested in like a Matt Chapman right now? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Somebody's got it. Somebody's got a he's third base, right? Yeah. Somebody's got to play third base. That's uh Urias position right now. I don't even see him as a wily old vet. What is he like 30? <laughs> yeah, that's wily old vet status. That's prime of his career. <laughs> <laughs> he's also had some down years of the last I think at least last year if not the last 2 years. Yeah. But I think we looked at this before though. 30 you're still you've his been His down year was still it was like 260, wasn't it? Yeah. And probably gold glove status. I think he won a gold glove, didn't he? Yeah. Because he took it over uh, over Eugenio. I'd feel a lot better about the Mariners' chances if they went and got Chapman and Belly or one of them. <laughs> yeah, they're not getting both of those guys. Why not? I mean, yeah, well, that, why yeah, not? Because yeah. they're because they're offloading money to save for future uh, nothing. To <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> to exactly. save for the future when they are also going to be offloading money. Hashtag CS spend. Yeah, why um, not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> but one or both of those guys, I feel like if they signed I would at guess least that, one of them, I would believe the fan graph type I, of like projections a lot more. I would put signing one of those guys at 5% chance. Oh, I mean, I agree with that. Maybe lower. Uh, <laughs> but. I'll put Snell at a 10% chance just because I'm op- I want to be optimistic about that, and he's a Seattle guy. So I'll double that. I feel like with 10%. Blake Snell, if they if they were gonna sign him, they would have already done it. My only again, if I was gonna he's play, he's gonna be a giant. If I was gonna play devil's advocate on the Snell signing, is that my only? And maybe it's not devil's advocate. Maybe it's just like silver lining. Is that maybe that's the Mariners' like big play here? Is that nobody else has signed him? So it's like we're not gonna overpay for you right now. Yeah test the open market and then you'll find out that like nobody else wants to pay you what you want to get paid. So well, sorry, Cy Young winner. You don't get any. He also has an injury history. I think that's probably more his 
like Achilles' heel right now. But so like, did he we're not gonna Jones? we're not gonna run to the bank to go pay you. Like, show us what other people are offering, and then it's like, oh, nobody else is really offering you. Now we'll get you at a bargain, which is like some scummy <laughs> 27 shit. Seven million like, instead of thirty. Yeah, it's some, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's some and scummy we're a billion Mariner. dollar organization. Exactly, it's a, yeah. it's scummy Mariner shit, but like. I can see that being a scenario because nobody else has signed him either, right? If if people were clamoring for him, he'd already be signed. I'm sure people are still talking to him pretty actively. Right, but he hasn't signed anywhere. Yeah. So it's like, we're not going to pr- pay a premium. He's just waiting on the balcony for the Mariners to come throw their rock at the window and come calling for him. They should. To go back to Mac Chapman real quick, last year he batted, uh, his average was 240, 17 dingers. He had 54 ribbies and his OPS. How many games did he play? He had doesn't show games here, but it shows he had 509 at bats. So he had a pretty full season. Yeah, yeah. And a OPS of 755. That's not great, but no. But I mean, he still hit better than Gino did, uh, average wise, not home runs wise. Yeah. But I think the other thing with that too is that you're probably going to get him. I would assume it's a one-year deal if you do sign him, and it's still going to be a lot of money, and it seems like that's what the Mariners are going away from. So, Which, in my mind, is still silly, though. Is like, why wouldn't you take a gold-glove-level third baseman who, on his bad year, hits two – like, that's kind of a sad reality we're at. Is it like, on his, <laughs> his bad year, year it's two – His career four- is the, the highest batting average on the Mariners outside of Julio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, so, yeah, no, we're not yeah. doing that. No, it's not good. Not good business to go sign that guy. You guys want some breaking news? Yeah, I want Love some breaking some. news. So sources have told me, according to uh, the Ballard Press, that uh, former head coach of the JVC Ballard baseball team has signed a one-year deal to be a part-time coach for the JVC Ballard baseball high school baseball team. Is that you? That's me. Nice. He's back. <laughs> nice. You're going to be a high school baseball coach again? Yeah, coming back. Uh, it's temporary. Obviously, I don't have the commitment or can't commit to five days a week or six days a week, but I'm just going to come back, break out the old fungo, and uh, just get hit some fly balls, hit some grounders for the kids, you know, get nice. out there two, three times a week if I can. Whatever I can do to help out, get ourselves. It's state or bust. State or bus. Let's go, Beavs. Does uh, the C team go to state? (laughs) Do they go to state? (laughs) Every year under Tanner. Uh, No. (laughs) Um, Okay, just making sure. (laughs) That's awesome. Excited. Hopefully uh, we can get out to some Ballard Beavs. I'll be drunk in the stands. Yeah, because I... I'm uh, I'm definitely into that. Now, I'm only a part-time assistant coach, but I'm also looking for some assistance. So if you guys put your uh, applications and resumes out there, I'll take a look. Well, Are you uh, talking to us or our <laughs> listeners? Well, I was kind of uh, looking I'll, your guys' way. I'm happy to work with the catchers. Don't worry. I don't know anything about baseball, so I, I heard happily, that... <laughs> I happily joined the staff. I heard there's a, a free uh, Ballard uh, Beavers hat if you uh, come Ooh. coach. Ooh. And they're pretty swaggy. They actually have about, a beaver on them now. What about a pair wow. of uh, baseball pants? Does that come with it too? You got to buy your own pants, but they give you the rest of the swag. You get, you know, you I was just talking I was talking to the head coach, uh, Doug, today. And he's like, hey, man, I need your size. Like, we're going to get you all swagged out, get you all your gear. Like, I got a new fungo bat waiting for you. Like, we're, we're ready to go. You just got to get Sheesh. your pants. Wow. So. That's a big come up. 
Yeah, so. And we already got the tack glasses, so. (laughs) I'm really going to just do my whole, I I just read uh, three-year Letterman's book, and I'm just going to take everything I learned from his book and apply that to my coaching tactics. That's a great idea. So you're going to have him doing Oklahoma drills in the parking lot? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm going to try to volunteer. It's a good baseball drill, honestly. I'm going to try to umpire some games, too, be a showstopper. Yeah. Nice. Yep. All right, let's get. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. I was just gonna say one more thing regarding Mariners, because uh, you mentioned at the beginning that uh, uh, one game off of Texas. I was just gonna say, just for kind of preview of that, Mariners need a hot start this year, <laughs> because if they if they plan on uh, beating that one game on t- of Texas, it's gonna be because Texas has three of their starting pitchers not starting the first half of the season and Scherzer and whoever else their other top three are. So Mariners need a hot start. Which perennially they have not had. Exactly, which is not their MO. So that was that was just my last bit that I wanted to add in there because usually April, May is when we're we're not very good and we kinda come in come in hot late and uh, that cannot happen this year. So if we want to be that top five percentage chance to be or top five teams to go to the playoffs. It's going to be hot start needed. Wasn't the last time the Mariners had a hot start was like the year that they started. 2001. No, when they had the <laughs> game that they started, it was the first game was out in Japan. When yeah. was that? That was 2019. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. And they, they were like <laughs> we 18 and three to start. And we won, and they were we won like a, 70 games. <laughs> If yeah, if that and it was like they were projected to be like the worst team. Like that was the year that like they were still rebuilding. They just came out super. Did they high. rattle off like ten straight to start the season or something like that yeah. at one point. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Nigel, to build off of what you're saying though, I think the keys are is that that absolutely, but also Julio's got to stay consistent the whole year. Like you yep. can't have a lot. Of, like you're always gonna have a slump in baseball. It's a long season. It's a marathon. But like he's got to like pick it up a lot quicker. Yep. He can't have multiple months where he's just super yeah, slow. Yeah, he, uh, he I'll just make, can't slump. He has to be I'll make good. that point short, too, is that that was kind of my meta point to talking about fan crafts and Santos and all of that, is that they have these lofty like projections for what the Mariners are going to do, and we've kind of talked on this before, is that it's like the way their lineup is constructed is that it's like fan graphs projections are only good if – if Julio is in the lineup and he is a 300 hitter basically every month. Yeah. That's why I don't understand the projection is like, I understand from like a pitching aspect that like they should be competitive in every game, but like who's going to hit the ball if it's not Julio and like you need guys to like, I said this on the last podcast when we talked about it's like, you don't need guys to be 300 hitters you need him to be 300 hitters in spurts, but you really need Julio to be just the boat that rises all tides. Yeah. And if he gets hurt, this team's a, I don't know, 40% win yeah. percentage team. The other piece I was going to add to that, though, along with Julio, is that like the guys that we signed, like Mitch Hanniger, a guy that's going to get hurt sometime in the season. When he is playing, like you were saying, he has to be hot when he's playing. And, and Mitch Hanniger has done that. Yeah. When he is healthy, he comes out and he produces. Yeah. Quality at bat. And then same with uh, Jorge uh, Polanco, too. It's the same thing. Like, the guy has a little bit of injury history. Like, if he's not going to be playing the whole season when you are out there, you got to be producing. you got to be raking. Yep. 
but that's going to be the key to it to go along to the tune of two thirty. Because it, it's never going to be just Julio. Like that's not going to win you game. I mean, it, it could win you some games, but it's not going to get you into the playoffs or the World Series. Yeah. You got to have guys that are constantly stepping up at certain times of the season, and these guys that are injury prone, they got to be able to do it. And you're hoping that all these like, you know, lesser name guys that we've signed or added to the team that you have a deeper lineup and hopefully you can take down the stri- the strikeout rate, like lower that. And I think that was part of the science behind, behind getting rid of Suarez was that big strikeout guy. They want a bit more quality at bats, guys that can come up and at least put the ball in play or get more walks. And I think that we have a little bit of a deeper lineup and hopefully those guys, certain guys can step up throughout the season to kind of keep the train rolling. Yeah. I still think the lineup in general, though, is that it's all constructed on the basis that like Julio is going to be in there being the superstar 100% of the time. And I am 100% on board that he has the ability. That's just asking a lot, though. Yeah, I still think we are sleeping on some guys. We, like We can win every game 2-1 to one without Julio, okay? I, I still think that like Luke Rayleigh, the nuke, and uh, what was <laughs> the nuke? And like Mitch Gardner, like I think we might be sleeping on them a little bit. Like national media seems to like those signings, and it seems like those could. And that's be why big. I don't like it. But it's also like Mitch Gardner, like you finally do have a true DH guy now. Like it's no longer like a Tommy uh, uh, Tommy Stella. Stella, yeah, or like or basically a platoon at DH. Like that's pretty unheard of in baseball. Like usually you have a solidified hitter there. So I think. That could be a. I mean, that could go either way. But if he has a hot season, that's also going to be a big key to this to this team. Yeah. So I don't know. I I feel a little bit more excited about this Mariners team than I think maybe you guys do. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think they could surprise us. I think history is on my side here. Yeah. I'm just in a wait and see mode. Like obviously, I'm rooting for them, and I believe yeah. that they will win games because of pitching. But I just think, like I said before. When I hear these projections by Fangraph, it just sounds very much like. But they were spot on last year. They had the Mariners at eighty-five wins last year, and they were spot on with it. So it's like, yeah. Although, like, I guess I I had heard this number today is that they had the Mariners as like, it, it's not the win total. It's that I swear I heard on the radio today that Fangraph had them as the fifth best odds to win the World Series, which. Yeah, I can I can understand the difference between being like uh, odds to make the playoffs are one thing and odds to win the World Series are a different thing because we said this before is like if the Mariners make the playoffs, I like their chances to win it a lot more because of their pitching. They actually had higher odds, I think, to win the playoffs than because I think they were sixth overall of odds to make the playoffs and fifth to win the world series right so that's what i'm saying is it like once you're in i like your chances a lot better yeah because of the way the team is constructed because it's pitching so like i get that like discrepancy it's just more so that it's like i don't know it's just skepticism on my part as a longtime mariners fan and it's the idea that it's like you still have to be able to score runs and the last time we were in the playoffs that is what killed us was that we couldn't score runs in the playoffs because yeah. every team that's in the playoffs has good pitching. Good pitching, yeah. And so it's this crazy thing. And just to even get to the playoffs is that, in my mind, the way the team is constructed right now, like you might be right that like Mitch Garver and guys that we've brought in are guys that can be impact players, but 
it all in my mind still kind of heavily rests on the shoulders of somebody like Julio just truly being a MVP a top two MVP candidate and he can't be two <laughs> like <laughs> yeah that yeah. that's or yeah, I mean that maybe that, he can really, be maybe he can be too but like it, he's got to be really feels like he has to be an MVP he has to be a if, true 340 bomb guy if the Mariners want to make a true run like it seems like he either ha- would have to be like if the Mariner if the Mariners make a true run in the playoffs in particular he has to be like a World Series MVP because who else is going to be the guy? Hey, and if anybody can do it, it's Julio. Like I yeah. don't want that to get lost. That it's like I fully believe Absolutely. in Julio to be the best player in Major League Baseball. It's just asking a lot. Like yeah, as as and, a gambling man, it's asking a lot and, from one guy. And to go along with my or the earlier comments that this is year three for Julio, he's he's not young anymore. <laughs> like you're not. A rookie. It's not the second year. Like now's the time. Like you gotta, you gotta grow up and be the dude. And so, I fully expect him to do that. Yeah, I hope so. Do you guys ready for some more listener questions? Let's do it. Absolutely. All right, we're ending the show on our last little bit of listener questions. These are a little bit more random ones. We started off earlier with some Super Bowl themed ones, so we're gonna go ahead. And go to our loyal listener, Shane. He's been with us since day one out in Monroe, Washington. Shane, what do you got? Yo, fellas. It's your favorite disgraced temp host back again with another grilling question for you. <laughs> Have you guys seen that Drake uh, Dickwick going around on Twitter? Absolutely. Don't worry. I already sent him over to you if you haven't. The question <laughs> on my mind and everyone else's right now, what are your thoughts on the league and how does this affect LeBron James's legacy? Thanks, boys. <laughs> all right <laughs> so uh, uh he means on the nba no he means i Should think he means on, no i think he means on uh on how uh, does drake's yeah dick pic league yeah like on dick pic league like uh hall of fame how does it no he said how does it affect lebron james's career no, well he said his legacy because because oh. he, he had a dick pic leak was it last season? LeBron did. Oh, did yeah. he? Yeah, LeBron had a dick, what? Yeah, LeBron had a dick pic leak like a year ago, and and had you know not so shocking was uh, endowed, and so I think that uh, wasn't it like a weird like locker room one though. It wasn't like he was actually like sending one right. Um, should we do some quick research on that and find? Yeah, find Luke, out? yeah. Type I, in, no, I don't know. Type I'm not, in LeBron James. I'm today. not gonna do that. I just got a new iPhone. I'm trying yeah. to. I'm trying to keep it clean. Um, I was going. That phone's a temple. Yeah. So to to answer this question, um, I was going to do this as my as my bologna sandwich of the week, but I had a hunch that uh, that Shane was going to ask this question. So. Um, as the number one Drake fan, and uh, me and Drake were cool, we hang out. He he uh, he. Fl- when? He, yeah, he's. He, When's uh, the last time you hung out? He flew. He uh, flewed me out a couple times to Miami. We partied together. Um, so Drake's a good guy. Did he and, peg you? <laughs> what, <laughs> with what? that sucker? No, wait, I'd be uh, I'd be spliced in half. So. Uh, I'm I'm happy for Drake that this finally got out there. It, it, You're happy. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah. Did he purposely leak it? You think? I think he purposely leaked this. Um, and 
I think that this answers the ultimate question. Um, Was he dangling at like knife talk? (laughs) (laughs) This thing made that made that knife uh, made that knife look tiny. Okay. Um, No, I I think it's I think it's great for Drake. I think all the all the women that that uh, that saw that are are pretty impressed. And so I think Drake's had a good week. And even if it is fake, if it were me, I would claim it. That's real. So you would, yeah, I I would claim it as as my own. So, uh, good week for Drake. Good power move, even if it is fake. It's a, it's a good look. I think uh, to your point is that it was a good week for Drake because I think uh, there's been a lot of question marks. At least I'm on Twitter, so I'm out there. Is that uh, a lot of people ask whether or not Drake is white or if he's black? I was just I, I was going to say it's the uh, racial draft on yeah, it's uh, on a racial draft. show. And so I think I think Drake leaked that intentionally because he wants to let people know that uh, he is part of the Black Caucus. <laughs> Emphasis on cock, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know what was Shane's what was Shane's uh, original question? What does he was it do for asking the league? About LeBron? No, he was asking about how it affects LeBron's legacy as a dick leaker, dick pick leaker. I think uh, I think in general is that uh, honestly, it just tells me what I already knew is that like goats are going to be goats, and so. <laughs> Uh, no shocker here. Goat status. <laughs> yeah, bo- goat. both uh, in their own in their own. Uh, yeah, it's arenas. a copycat league. <laughs> so, and Drake knows that as well as anybody. Yeah. LeBron still got a better jump shot, even when it's broke. But uh, the BYLP crew will not be leaking any photos anytime soon. So, don't yeah, speak for yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, I saw one person say on the Twitter, so I won't uh, claim it as my own, but. Uh, it makes sense that uh, Jimmy or whatever his name was on DeGrasse was in a wheelchair when he's fucking hauling that hog <laughs> around. So uh, there you go, Shane. That's my two cents on it. Um, yeah. Hey, Thanks did we question. did we uh, answer Maddie's question? The tail end of this. I, I almost brought that up at the end. We probably should readdress it though about his question about uh, Cy Young. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah it was about Cy Young because. Um, Kirby, Gilbert, and Castillo are all... Gilbert is a top 10, really, on Cy Young? I think all three of them are... Wow. Or maybe top 11 or 12. That's impressive. Um, Um, And I'll open that up by saying is that, uh, Maddie, I know you're not listening to the podcast because I already told you last week is that Bryce Miller is the guy that I'd put a fucking 50 note on because he said he wanted to put a... Uh, Ulysses S. Grant on someone to win the Cy Young, and I already told you last week that I'd put it on Bryce Miller. That was my dark horse. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't put it on any Mariner to win the Cy Young. Um, not because I don't think they're talented enough. I just don't think that that's gonna go through. But if I was going to put one on a Mariner, I would say I'd go Kirby. Sweet. All right, last question. You guys ready for this? Actually, two more questions. Last, last voicemail. Last voicemail. Here we go. I have two questions for the podcast. Number one, do y'all believe that travel sports is ruining youth sports nowadays? That's a good question. And number two, are you all a follower of Jesus Christ? 
So for one, I want to comment on the fact is that. Uh, oh, hold up, real quick. That was our. Uh, that was my boy Will out in uh, Hammond, Louisiana. Will, thank you for uh, for submitting that question, and uh, hopefully you become a loyal listener of the show. Sorry, Luke. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Because I was going to say uh, I didn't get the name on that caller, but uh, thank you for saying that, Will. Will sounds like he's the quarterback of the Permian Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> Things change, Mox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From uh, Friday Night Lights. So uh, if he's Tokyo drifting right now. I, Mike Winchell. Yeah, Mike Winchell. Mike Winchell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the question? Is uh, travel right. sports ruining youth sports? Um, that's a great question because I feel like I have. Uh, do we have enough time for this? Because we're already pretty far in. Is it a. Uh, my broad answer would be no, I don't think so. I actually think quite the opposite, uh, to be honest. I think is it's it, raising the level of the game. I think, yeah. And travel sports. Travel sports, uh, that seems more targeted at basketball because I feel like, I mean. I don't know that that's true. Soccer, baseball. Yeah, I'd say baseball is a huge one. Baseball, yeah, both of those are huge like travel teams. Right. Um, but I guess, I guess for me, it's more basketball. Cause that's something that I've at least have some experience in. Sure. Um, and also basketball's, well, I guess baseball's a high paying sport too, but, um, I, I don't see it as ruining, uh, sport or youth sports because of the fact that it's like, just like anything is that I would, I feel like it's doing the quite opposite it's elevating it right that it's like um money is always an object in these things which is unfortunate but at the same time like basketball is obviously the example i used earlier but it's like i don't know you you look at how it like goes to the nba level is that like these players are just so much better because of the fact that like you play on these travel teams and there are some aspects of, uh, you know, as you white, play the best competition, though, as white people that play fundamentally and don't have athleticism, um, it can be tough at times. Uh, but the it has elevated the level of competition. Yeah, I think to a to a degree that like when you watch the NBA, like NBA is the one that obviously I gravitate towards to is that these players are so much more skilled and. Maybe at times it's a little, it seems a little disorganized, especially when you watch some of these highlight videos of, of, uh, you know, the travel teams and youth sports, but the game is changing and the idea is to get the ball or ball up and down the court. And I, I don't know, it, you get, you get more exposure to high level competition. Yeah. I think, I, I guess is the end of it. I think that, that, um, it's probably ruining the, I don't know, the like boys of summer feel, you know, like if you, if we're, uh, baseball reference there, but like it, it loses a little bit of the like, it's hanging with the boys and it's fun and like, you know, that vibe of sports as a kid, because obviously most people aren't going to go pro in things in sports, I guess, not pro in things, but pro in sports. So, I think they're like that competition that you're talking about, like kind of, it makes things more serious and you get, it gets more and more serious as you, for younger and younger people. 
I don't think it's ruining the sport itself because like, like you said, the competition's better. And so more exposure to that really good competition year after year after year after year is elevating the game that you ultimately watch. But I'm sure for your like average kid, you know, that's not the top of top of the top of the top athlete, it probably ruins it a little bit for it for you. But I don't think it ruins the actual game itself. Like I think it, I mean, it, feel, it feels it feels like something that is like this happens like through every generation in some degree that is just like back in my day, yeah. like this is how it was. And then the next generation comes on them. It's like back in my day, it was like this. And it's like, so everyone's like kind of uh, quick to make judgments about how things are wrong because it's not the same as it was prior. But yeah. But it, but it's it's just like think about like college football like the sanctity of college football is right. lost right now right because there's no tradition left and it's about money and it's about who's paying the most who's got the best players who's in the conference that's going to have the most money and the best TV deal and so like yeah that trickles down a little bit and at the end, but at the end of the day I don't think it's making the you know the talent level of the sport any worse. Like it's making it better. It's making it the watchability of it probably better. Like you see yeah. better talent. Like and, that, and like I said, yeah. you brought, you brought up a good point that it's like, I, I guess it depends on where you're like judging based, like off of the level that it's like, is travel sports, uh, travel youth sports ruining what somebody would do in a small rural town? Probably not because like that doesn't, affect you right yeah so like hopefully it's not you're traveling to the next small town right but like on the on the grand scheme of things which i don't know if that's what will is getting at with his question um it might take some more investigation on our part that it's like i personally feel like it has always advanced the game because the idea of these travel squads typically is to put the best players in front of the other best players yeah and competition usually drives up ability and the best players rise at the top so i don't know i got like i said we could make a whole podcast about this because i have a lot of feelings in uh based off of some of my experiences as a uh younger athlete i feel like i have some opinions on it but my broad my broad like point would be that it's like, I think it's actually really good for the game. Now there are obviously financial obstacles that do like ostracize certain pockets of people. And that can be frustrating, but I think it's good for the most part. I'm going to take the opposite side of you guys. I, I can see your guys's point of it, but I think right where you're getting into there, Luke is that, it definitely kind of takes that away from certain kids and certain families that can't afford that lifestyle because some of these travel teams are intense. Like, I don't care if it's like you live out in Salton or, you know, New York city or wherever. Like if you want to be a part of something like this, you're traveling all over the country for some of these teams. And like a lot of families, no matter where you live, like that becomes a hardship for them. Like if you're paying for airfare and also like checking in like your equipment and stuff like that, like in hotels, and you're doing that. I mean, I remember when we played select ball, uh, like back in, I don't know, like when I was like eighth or ninth grade, 
I mean, even for back in that time, it was like 80 games that you were playing. Like that was your entire spring and summer. And we were traveling all over the map. My parents literally bought a travel trailer just to be able to like do that. So we didn't have to pay for the hotels and that's still a cost. And you're talking about fuel and everything else, but to also go along with it. I think that most of these kids, like you said, are not going to go pro. So like there is a level where you're getting the most elite talent, but a lot of these kids that are playing in these travel teams are not going to be anywhere near that talent or pro caliber. And eventually these kids just get burnt out. And I think that's a big thing. You're seeing a lot of kids that quit. Like I've, I've talked to people that are parents that they've done the select teams and they've done the travel teams and they travel all over the country. And sometimes, I mean, every parent thinks their kid is going to go pro or super talented, but like they talk about how their daughter or son is like a really talented pitcher or really talented at basketball or whatever. And eventually they just quit. Like some of them have like literally getting college colleges talking to them and they're quitting because they're so burnt out on it because you're still a kid. Like you should still enjoy your childhood and still enjoy other sports. That also takes away like being a three sport athlete too. It takes the ability away from going out and playing different sports. And I think Pete Carroll and other coaches have talked about how they've always liked to have athletes that played all different sports, not just like football specific. And I think that you add those elements into it, it could be a real negative thing. You add in the financial part, the travel part, you add in the fact that kids are not going to be become pros and that they just eventually just like they lose drive or even if they are talented, they lose drive in it. And you also lose the opportunity just to like grow up and be a kid and play different things and have variety in your life, which I think is important. I agree with that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. One thing I'll say (laughs) We, this could definitely be a whole podcast episode. But it should be. We should do that. <laughs> yeah, but one thing one thing I'll say is that, um, you know, most of our friends that we you know that we grew up with and um, are now friends with, we know because of sports, right? And a lot of most of us are fairly successful, and I like to think that most of what I learned in life, or a good por- part of what I learned in life, outside of my parents, came from playing sports. And the lessons that you learn, like, yeah, it was fun and it's, you know, whatever. But I was still playing tournament ball. Like, I wanted to win. <laughs> Even when I was when I was 9, 10 years old, like, I knew I knew what the difference between winning and losing was. And it was, I was pissed off when I lost a game, you know. And maybe that didn't last as long, but, you know, when you lose. But, like, I think that y- there's a lot of lessons to be learned from playing sports and playing sports competitively. And so – and I think it's shaped who I've become as a person and how I react to things and how I, you know, how I've become who I am today. So I don't know that like travel, travel ball and playing competitively is like that bad of a thing overall for building character and like becoming a functioning member of society. Like learning how to win and lose in life is an important thing that, that a lot of people who don't play sports don't understand and like how to how to be you know how to overcome losing and like adversity and things like that some people just never get that opportunity and so i think it, there's a lot of lessons that you can learn from it still yeah but if you make it just if it starts to become more and more about travel ball then you also take away those opportunities for those learning lessons and all that character building if that's what it just eventually becomes if it just becomes like basically just travel ball or like some rinky dink little league that can barely fill 
you know, fill the spots. Like it starts to take it away from that, from those guys too, that maybe they don't have the ability to do that. And my other point too, is like, I agree, like sports are a huge part of what built character and like built friendships and everything for us. But can you imagine playing nothing like these travel, like these travel teams are typically like, that's their one sport. Can you imagine playing just baseball? Like you're basically your entire childhood. No, like you still got, you learned different lessons and you had different experiences and met different people through football compared to the, you did to baseball. Or if you add in, you didn't do basketball, but like, let's say even like your cheer camp experience, like you still had different life experience doing that. And I would say for myself, I played basketball in the winter. So it's like three different sports had three different types of people and three different yeah. types of like lessons and characters and everything else that went along with it. Well, that's where I think like, at least per what I was saying before is that maybe I'm misunderstanding the question, but I think Nigel hit on a lot of the points is that I feel like there's a big discrepancy between like small town, like playing travel ball versus what I guess my original impression of what it is, which is high end travel ball, which it's like, uh, no offense, but none of us ever played high end travel balls. Like no. there's a big difference between like people that are playing travel ball in the sense that it's like, we are gearing you up to be a professional type athlete versus like you travel and you play and it is expensive and you either need to pay for hotel rooms or you need to get travel campers and stuff like that. And that in my mind falls way more into like the camp of what Nigel's saying about like, these are valuable moments to like build camaraderie and learn life experiences about just doing things and like facing adversity, whether it's travel accommodations or just literally playing the game versus like actually people that are like geared to go play professionally, which is a different in my mind is that when I hear that question, I'm thinking like travel ball, that it's like, these are the type of people that are playing on circuits from a young age that are, going or hopefully going to play pro like i never went on a travel circuit thinking that like anybody on my team or anybody i played against is going to even play d1 ball because like that's not the circles that we played in yeah there might be there might be people that fall into that camp right so I, i i don't know i have i have a little bit of a disconnect there that it's like my mind when that question's asked, I'm instantly thinking is like I think of these high end circuit uh travel teams that like these guys are geared to go play at like Nike EYBL camps when I'm thinking about basketball, which is a completely different like stratosphere versus like kids like us playing. And that doesn't mean that people can't like transfer classes here and like move up and you can be in these different like levels of competition, but ultimately I do think that there is a kind of precast system that it's like you either, you either are the six, uh, five athlete that it will be like cast into a top tier or you're not. Yeah. But I don't think it's like, I, I think that's the point that's kind of being missed is that these travel teams are not just specifically for like the most talented kids. Like, these travel teams are also money grabs. 
and like use Seattle for example like there's plenty of travel teams that they go all over the place and they take any kid that has the money to do it I mean I and I, and I agree and I, with that point. and they're not that high caliber but they still there's a huge amount of money that goes into it but like I literally got offered a job to go coach like be a head coach of one of these quote unquote high caliber select teams for like these kids. Like I'm not qualified to like coach someone at that level. Like if that's truly what it is. And I think that there's so many, I think for what you're saying in the ideal world, yeah, that'd be great. But I think that for a lot of people, I mean, this guy that called and talked about this and, or asked about it, he lives in small town USA out in Louisiana. So I, obviously he might see some, it'd be interesting to get him on the line to get his perspective of why he asked that. Right. But like, I think you're seeing this, Everywhere, not just for like I, I I think it's become such a money grab that they'll take anyone that has the money and they'll throw you in some kind of select team and you're still going to be doing all the traveling and everything else because these companies that are doing it or or the teams are making so much money off of it. Well, like I said, I, in my mind, they're I guess uh, as a child, it's not your decision. You're kind of based off of your parents' decision, but that's where I'd say is that. Back to like Nigel's point about is that like I feel like there's value in somebody wanting to do this because it will provide learning opportunities. I think it's just like what are the stakes that are involved? Are you and just like anything in life is that you probably have to learn is that is this a snake snake oil salesman or is this or is this reality that it's yeah. like like I could only use I'm paying my... $10,000 for this travel team. Is it legit or is it right? And if somebody's yeah. asking you to pay $10,000 or whatever to do it and granted again, I'm a kid when I was doing like travel basketball. So I don't have that good of a concept of how much the actual cost is, but it's like if somebody's asking you for tens of thousands of dollars, that sounds like something that's going to send you to college. And the reality of it, you should know, I know this as somebody who watches a lot of sports, is that like that's a low success proposition. So in my mind, like what I did when I was a kid was very, and I think what Nigel's speaking to is very like beneficial and does it cost money? Yes, but there's like there's varying degrees between like is somebody trying to tell you that if you pay tens of thousands of dollars they're going to like prepare your kid to go play in college is like that sounds like snake oil yeah are you offering somebody a chance to play and hopefully it's like low budget and you can like make uh relationships with other people and whether they're players or coaches or whatever to like go experience things that's really beneficial. So I don't I don't know where the line is between it. Is it like are we talking about are we talking about low level athletics or are we talking about high end breeding athletics, academy athletics? Yeah. I think the reality is, is I think that there's so many parents out there that like are delusional and they try to live that and vicariously through their child and they're like i'm gonna sign you up and you're gonna play nothing but baseball and you're gonna become a professional athlete out of it and i think that and that's the bigger problem yeah. and which i think I that do there's agree so with. many kids that are getting into it and that's why they get burnt out because they're not even into it they're just trying to 
their parents are trying to live their dreams through their kid. And I think that's where travel teams can become problems because you're not allowing the kid to like explore what other sports he might like. Cause so, I think sports are a very valuable thing. So like, obviously we do a podcast talking so, about sports. Yeah, so, so we have, so to answer Will's question, then I don't think that, uh, the travel team is the issue. I it's think parents. that bad parenting is the issue. Yeah. And that was going to be what I was <laughs> going to say too. Yeah. And if you think your kid is going to be a superstar in whatever sport, you're wrong. Um, 99.999% of the I time. I really want to get Will on an episode about this. Cause I think it'd be a really interesting, just yeah. the entire show about this and like get his, like, why did he ask this? Like, what is he experiencing as a parent that has children of that age that obviously none of us have? And just yeah. like, see what it's like today. I could do a full episode on this is because I think it's an interesting topic because yeah. And like the tagline on it is like kind of Nigel saying is that it's like, I just think there's, there's two different camps. Are you, are you, are you in the camp that you think that this is going to make your child a scholarship or professional athlete? Or are you somebody who thinks that this will be an opportunity to learn life lessons? Yeah. And I think if you understand the reality of the situation, you would find that travel ball can be very lucrative for your child and not cost that much. It'll still cost money. Everything costs money. Yeah. I don't want to keep dragging this on because I know we got to end the show, but the last thing I'd say too, it's like if you're, if you're like, if you're doing nothing but baseball for, let's say from the age of 12, let's say 12 to 18 years old, and that's all your child knows, and he's not like good at baseball enough to even get like any kind of scholarship. You kind of like, yes, you did get the life less, like you got like that camaraderie with different guys and played baseball and had a good time, but you're also like, there's no variety in your life. And so when you hit to 18 and you're not going to go play at any kind of university, what now? No, I mean, it's, it's just like, like you, you just like you have just set that kid up to be in a control, like total confusion of like what's next. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not here to offer life lessons, but I think that would fall into the camp of anything that it's like if you put your all, all your eggs in one basket, that's not good. You need to diversify your bonds <laughs> like <laughs> like you can't. So if if whether it's the we child not, uh, uh, fiduciaries and cannot offer financial advice. <laughs> thank you, Nigel. Yeah, gotcha. But it's like. But it's like if if whether it's the parent or the child is like if you're putting it all all into this one thing and that's what you're expecting, then when that falls through, it's like you have no backup plan. So to bring it full circle, that's why like my immediate reaction when I hear that question is that my immediate thought is like uh, the degradation of professional sports because of high level travel. And that's why. My first thought wasn't like anything that you guys said or like what you said, Tanner, about like lower levels, because like that's not what I'm thinking about, because in my mind, like uh, I, I get that there are people that are basically uh, duped by people that are telling them like you pay tons of money and come play on my circuit. I will get you college offers. I mean, this is what BS High is all about. Fair. And yeah. So, I, th- I mean, it's basically the exact same thing. So, I get so, that. That's just not where my mind immediately yeah. goes. <laughs> so, my, my mind immediately goes to, like, uh, yeah. every every high school athlete shooting Steph Curry depth three-pointers <laughs> is, like, that's, that, that's, where that's I go. ruining the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, no, nah, I don't really think that's ruining the game because, like, actually, like, uh, 
I think the skill level at, at the highest level has actually been elevated by people playing against the best talent. But uh, I think we learned something by unpacking this a little bit. And maybe it's a future episode when there's... This a, is for sure a future episode. We gotta when, get... when nothing's gone. So great question, Will. Yeah, wow. And also great great <laughs> <Insightful>. voice. <laughs> Mike Winchell. <laughs> yeah, Mike Winchell, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Mike Winchell. Yeah, I, I really am down for that idea. When we get some slow time, like maybe right after the Super Bowl, get Will on. I really want to hear his perspective as to why. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to know. So it ended up being a lot deeper question than... Like I said, I initially perceived. Oh, also to the secondary question there. No, I do not prescribe to Jesus Christ. Uh, no. Yeah, no. That's a that's a short answer. No, I do not. Well, I think that Will Horns will down. Will will try to uh, convert you if he does come on the show. So. Horns down, Jesus. <laughs> Horns down, Jesus Christ. Be nice. I know that's funny. <laughs> Be nice. All right, last question. This is just a trivia question for you guys. My computer's dead, so one of you is probably going to have to look this up if you don't know the answer. But my dad, he said, the question I was thinking for your podcast was seeing it's Super Bowl Sunday. What gave the Super Bowl its name, the history behind it? That's that's what he, uh, that's what he sent to us. Mm. So what gave the Super Bowl its name? What gave the Super Bowl its name? Or who gave the Like, what's the history? Why is it the Super Bowl? Why is it called the Super Bowl? My, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like a, I don't know, Lamar Hunt type thing, right? I don't know. Do, 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 do. Nigel's. Oh, I thought, I'm, I thought oh, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it has something to do with collegiate athletics because you had bowl games, and so I'm guessing that's kind of where it spurred from. If I had that's to take where the bowl guess. came from, that's it. where the bowl came from, and then. You're unoriginal, or sorry, you're super original, and so you're like, instead of the Alamo Bowl, ours is better than that because it's the NFL, so ours is the Super Bowl. Yeah, I feel like I've heard this at some like, point. I, I, I mean, I, it feels like a throwaway name because obviously before it was the Super Bowl, I mean, that's like a big thing is that um, you had like the uh, you had the alternate um, football league. It is Lamar would, Hunt. Yeah, you'd play. You'd play. That's why it's the Lamar Hunt Trophy for the mm-hmm. AFC Championship. Because before that, it was. Uh, oh, here we go. Oh, I, ha- I just got it yeah, too. It go was ahead, just Nudge. the NFL Championship, and then uh, Joe Namath was it Joe Namath who won the first Super Bowl. That uh, you had the you had the team from the alternate league actually beat the NFL in the champ. So. We've got here, according to legend, Lamar Hunt, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, came up with the name Super Bowl in the mid-1960s. I'm going to count that as a victory for Hunt was inspired by the Super Bowl, a bouncy rubber toy that was popular with children at the time. Right, but that's what I'm saying is that, like, that's why I said Lamar Hunt is because, like, I feel like part of it is that before that it wasn't the Super Bowl. It was just, like, the winner of the NFL played like the the AFC yeah, National or, Football League championship. Yeah, exactly. And then that's when they like kind of merged the leagues and that's where like uh Joe, that's why Joe Namath is in the fucking Football Hall of Fame is cuz they were in the uh lower tier level of football and then he yeah, sorry. And then he guaranteed that they would beat Johnny Unitas and the Colts in the Super Bowl and that's like what really made it wasn't even called the Super Bowl then but that's what made it the Super Bowl is because of the fact that 
they prove basically Joe Namath proved that their league was good enough to compete against the other league, and then they merged them into one NFL. Yeah, it looks like they they uh, they tried a couple different things. They tried World Championship game, a few things, and then Lamar Hunt Jr. says my dad was in the owners meeting. They were trying to figure out what to call the last game, the championship game. I don't know if he had the ball with him, as some some reports suggest. And his dad said, well, we need to come up with a name, something like the Super Bowl. And then he said, actually, that's a very good name. <laughs> Much like, oh, yeah, that, that has a nice ring to it. Run it. So that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, I saw that he also noted that what he said that we can obviously approve upon this, like, for the name. And then there's like, no, no, no we're run good. It. Run, <laughs> run it. Why, run why it. change perfection? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here we are. I stand by my point that the kind of keep touching the cord and it's making a noise is that uh, the idea, though, was kind of posited because of the fact that they had this secondary league and then they play it. And it was kind of like, oh, are we going to let them in or not? And then Joe Namath guaranteed that they would beat, uh, who was it, the Packers or whatever. Or I don't even know. I'm not that much of a historian. <laughs> but Joe Namath with the Jets guaranteed that they would win. And that's why he's at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Is cause, and then they validated themselves as worthy to be like absorbed into the NFL. And that's when they decided that it was like, it's going to be they might not have came up with the name yet, but it's like, it's going to be the Super Bowl because it's the pitting of like the two leagues against each other. And then they made it into something. That was your episode of Luke's drunken history <laughs> brought to you by. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just you asked the question. <laughs> you, <laughs> asked the- HR you asked the, qu- you asked the question and I immediately said Lamar hunt came up with it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So you. just remember, I that. loved your answer. Just, just, re- just remember that when, when we're uh, looking at the record books here is that you guys had to go to your phone to figure out how it was called. And I told you it was Lamar hunt that brought, brought this shit together. And that's why the AFC with the Super Bowl. And that's why the AFC championship game trophy is called the Lamar hunt trophy. And there's your little, uh, Luke's drunk uh, <laughs> history, and that's why I'm going to be writing my fucking Super Bowl pick. Because I actually know this shit, unlike these bozos. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Luke might also be angry when I say this, and he might cut this out, but we are planning on doing a Super Bowl pregame show live from the don't, lunch. Don't overpromise and underdeliver. From the lunch bill headquarters. We hope we get it out there. We're we're working through some uh, through some technical difficulties trying to figure out how we can get it out live to you guys. But uh, hopefully we can do that, uh, listeners. Thank you so much for the questions. Keep them coming. I think that's a fun segment. Keeps things uh, going and super fun, fast pace, whatever else. And uh, you guys have anything else? That's it. No. Keep the voicemails coming. It's honestly yeah, my favorite segment. Yeah, love the voicemails. Will we're gonna get you on a show? We're yeah. gonna do this. All right, Hayes in the barn. See you. See you. See you.